walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Kyle, also known as the hardest part of the ring. Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast and uh i don't know i didn't really have a plan to uh <laughs> sometimes you just gotta make a noise um where are we at here progress chapter 18 uh titled the show we can't call progressalmania for legal reasons which is funny you know because wrestlemania <laughs> which is uh which is fun because uh th- this show occurs on uh, on WrestleMania weekend, or you know, at least close to it, maybe a week before or so, uh, from 2015. So, um, big marquee show for Progress. Their uh, this show is their third anniversary, which by golly, how 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 time has flown, huh? Started from the very beginning of Progress. Now we're already three years in. How about that, folks? It's a very monumental show for Progress. Uh, but you wouldn't really, <laughs> you wouldn't really, uh, think that if you just looked at the card, because the card is very, it's, it's an interesting card because it's very, and we talk about this. We actually, we, we talk about a lot, uh, in the episode itself. So I, I'll keep this short, but, um, the show is very top heavy because it's, it's, it's headlined by a, uh, a six man elimination match for the progress championship. So well, most of the, the big stars are, are in that one match. So what that leaves is a, uh, a whole rest of a card full of us. Uh, so we, we got a lot of debuts in the show. We got a lot of um, pro Joe uh, uh, um, graduates. We got we got a brutal no disqualification match between Mark Haskins and Rampage Brown kind of following up their match from the last chapter. We get a banger of a match between Ch- the team of Chuck Mambo and Pastor William Ever, otherwise known as sweet jesus so we got sweet jesus versus the sumerian death squad who uh if you're not aware is the team of a debuting michael dante and tommy end big team and uh at least I've, I've watched them a lot in uh wxw not a lot i've watched them a little bit in, in wxw uh in germany so they're bringing their brand of violence to london here might have been the match of the night Honestly, in my opinion, um, so you got those couple matches, those those marquee spots, but the rest of the show is filled with just you know, just weirdness. Honestly, I mean, we get we get some debuts, we get some uh, 
some open challenges. We get a, a tag team title match, which is, uh, it's something we we got, we got a lot to say about it, but I don't want to, uh, steal the spotlight from the episode itself, but very interesting show to say the least. If you're just stumbling upon this, maybe for the first time you're like, Hey, I enjoy progress wrestling. Or maybe you're like, Hey, I'm not very familiar with progress wrestling. I sure would like to uh, begin this journey from the beginning. Well, I got you. Go to apronbump.com, go to the episodes tab and select progress wrestling. And that'll bring you to all of my reviews. And I've done every chapter from chapter one up to now, chapter 18. So go check that out. Binge away. It's been a journey. It's been a fun one so far. So uh, check that out if you haven't already. And uh, also check out at some point my guests for this episode, Jeremy and Adam from the Wrestling at Random podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at Wrestle at Random, and you can listen to them wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube as well. All of their info will be in the description below, as always. But yes, that is the Wrestling at Random podcast, a really fun show because you know, if you listen to me, you know that I go in chronological order across several different timelines. But these guys, they have this huge, robust randomizer that they've coded to basically pull in wrestling from all over the Internet. That's uh, 10 years or greater in age. And they uh, they just throw it in a randomizer. And every week they just pick one at random as per their uh, their show title. Uh, <laughs> and they uh, they just Whatever show the randomizer tells them, they they review. And that's literally it could be a um, a pay-per-view. It can be just a, a who gives a fuck episode of Velocity or primetime wrestling from the 80s. Like they cover a lot of stuff, a, a wide variety of stuff. J Japanese wrestling, they do a, a lot. And uh, there's some just entertaining guys over there. So go check them out. Wrestling at Random. And, uh, you know, it's funny that the, the past few progress episodes that I've done, I've had like experts <laughs> in progress wrestling. I, you know, T and tights, uh, wrestling should be fun guys that are, uh, you know, local Europeans <laughs> and, uh, have, have seen these guys live and are very familiar with the entire catalog of, of progress and are even up to date up till now. And, uh, of course had RJ Singh on a few, uh, a few episodes ago who clearly is very, uh, familiar with progress as he, uh, wrestled for them. And, um, so the past couple episodes, I feel like I've I've been learning from my guests, but um, in this case, Jeremy and Adam they're they're hopping in cold. They have they've never seen progress before, other than maybe a few matches here or there. Um, it's not a part of their randomizer yet because it's still a little too recent. But um, it was fun getting their first kind of first impressions from these guys and uh, kind of putting me in the the uh, the teacher role, so to speak. At least like catching them up on storylines and the context of certain things. So it was, like I said, it's just fun to get, it's like to see somebody's <laughs> like initial reaction to like the tag team titles and how it's a fucking split shield and the Jimmy Havoc eating somebody's heart, like all, all that stuff that to, to us, right. People have been, uh, you know, to me, who've, I've been watching it. And if you've been watching it, or if you've, if you've at least been listening to me talk about it, you're familiar with this kind of stuff, but Jeremy and Adam were not. So, uh, but we had a fun time talking about it. And, um, yeah, let's let's get into it. I've, I've rambled enough. Progress Chapter 18 with myself and Jeremy and Adam from the Wrestling at Random podcast. 
but yeah, guys, once again, thank you guys for making the time to come on here. It's a qu- question. Have you either of you watched any progress wrestling before this show? So going into this show, I have seen just the progress that WWE NXT UK showed me. Uh, so, uh, okay. uh, so just that, you know, that was kind of my introduction was, you know, that UK tournament and uh, right. being introduced to those guys. So, uh, most of my British wrestling, uh, is actually, uh, rev pro related because we watch mm-hmm. a lot of new Japan stuff. Yeah. Makes sense. And I would say that's, that's largely the same with me. I'd say I've probably seen a little bit more like matches here or there, but never, never really watched a full show. I mean, the, the UK mm-hmm. scene, the Brit rest scene from kind of the, the height uh, before, you know, they got involved with WWE and Pete Dunn got mad at everyone because he said that was somehow right. going to raise the uh, rising tide was going to lift all boats. And we all know how that worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not seen really a ton full show wise. So, yeah, I mean, like Jeremy said, the majority of what I've seen is Rev Pro just because outside of the show I do with Jeremy with wrestling at random, I'm talking Japan all the time. And so that's, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the one that I that I pay attention to the most. But I'm familiar with a good number of the guys that, you know, that were on the show. Um, it's always yeah. a little jarring, and we'll talk about it on the show, I'm sure. But it's always a little jarring if you're not watching a lot of British wrestling. And then you're like, oh, yeah, Brit rest crowds are different. Different. <laughs> we will get into is, that. Yes, we, I've, yeah, we've got absolutely. thoughts. Yeah. We could do a whole podcast on just the different chants that yeah. were. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and just the different chants. It's just like the different. Like I, I'm not making a value judgment on it, but it's just so weird because. And we get that a lot here, live shows, but even more so there where people are there to amuse themselves and have a communal good time. And the fact that there's a square thing in the middle of the building that people are bouncing off of is almost inconsequential. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it was I, I, I so badly want to go to London and go to one of these shows someday. It seems like a good time. These these lads over here, they're having a good time. Yeah, it's if nothing else. It's a trip for sure. I mean, it's definitely I mean, if nothing else, it would be you know, some of the dead crowds for independent shows that I've been to. I mean, talk about mm-hmm. different podcasts we could do. I mean, I remember going to an IWA Mid-South show in 2005 that had CM Punk versus Nigel McGuinness in the middle of a, basically in a, a National Guard armory in the middle of a cornfield, and there were 24 people there. So you can mm-hmm. imagine the atmosphere lack thereof. I'd take this atmosphere <laughs> over that. Yeah, this, uh, this is completely unrelated. But last night, I actually watched an ECW show, and the main event was um it was new jack and we stopped the gangsters versus public enemy it was an awful match terrible match but the crowd was (laughs) it was the crowd loved it so i enjoyed myself watching it like that shows the value of a crowd so that's why like these early progress shows always had hot crowds so well i mean and that's so much of what ecw was so i mean even at the live shows i mean obviously i'm not breaking any ground when i say it that ecw doesn't necessarily always rewatch the best compared to other stuff but you know most of the time the crowds are there the crowds are with it and that that carries a lot of it so how did how did you start down the path of watching all these early progress shows yeah we're both wondering that yeah so i um so progress is just one of those companies i always heard about and i had seen i seen a few matches here and there um and I, I well, I guess first of all, I was really drawn to NXT UK from the first tournament they did. Yep. I thought I didn't even know like really anybody uh, in that first tournament, but I 
I was such a fun watch. And um, then the brand started and I enjoyed that. They had the second tournament. So I was like, man, maybe I just like uh, British wrestling, European wrestling. Yeah. So and progress is one of those big name companies. That I, there's also the rear rev pros, your um, other ones, WXW in Germany, which I watch yeah. a little bit of. Um, but I was like, you know what? Progress, they, they, they list them in chapters. It seems like an easy thing to just watch in a linear fashion and might as well add it to content for my podcast. So, um, yeah, and it's it's really because you guys are coming in here kind of randomly, chapter eighteen. Yeah. So maybe uh, some of the storylines are kind of lost on you. Which honestly, there's chapter eighteen actually had a lot of debuts, so it actually wasn't a bad thing. So a lot of people maybe you are seeing for the first time. I'm also seeing for the first time. Okay. Uh, there's one guy in particular that I really want to shit on later this episode, but um, I'll be interested gum. to hear which one because there's a few on my end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adam, Adam has uh, he was texting me during the show. He's like, you know. Our show, we we fire up the randomizer. We dump all the content of the internet mm-hmm. into the randomizer. We fire it up. We don't get to pick. It picks for us. But you picked mm-hmm. this show for us. I said, there's some also, good stuff on there. No, there's It's also stuff. a weird show, too, because so many of the top guys are in the sixth way. You know, and so yes. anytime you have, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying this is like that. But, Jeremy, think back to the uh, December to Dismember show we did not that long ago where you had yes. those six guys in, in the Elimination Chamber. And then you were left with no you know, depth. the likes of no you know, depth. Yeah, no depth at mm-hmm. all. So I'm not saying this is quite like that, but I feel like any time when you have that big of a multi-man, uh, multi-man main event, you're going to end up with some weird stuff on the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this show had a few Sylvester Turkais in it. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a few Sylvester Turkais and just a few... Uh, I don't know. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. As I always tell Jeremy, I don't want to do the podcast before the podcast too much. Hey, no, you guys run with it. It makes, <laughs> makes my job easier. <laughs> But um, yeah, so good to know. So you guys are kind of coming in uh, fresh here. Yeah. Uh, familiar with NXT UK, at least uh, a little bit. Oh, I yeah. suppose, yep. right? Yep. And just um, so you know, I'm going off camera just because my internet is really not dependable. And every couple of weeks we try to do uh, like, hey, let's try doing a test of both of us on camera. And then on my end, it just dies and it's a disaster. And so don't just, lie to you. You're just, you know how much more attractive you are than both of us and you don't well, want to outshine us. That's, that's yeah, that's exactly what it is. Now I'm afraid to be number very three. Very gracious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me. Trust me. We, 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 we would have been uh, live streaming our podcast recording uh, uh, and in, introducing uh, chats and all kinds of stuff to yeah. the show mm-hmm. if, uh, if, if, uh, his his internet was was able to handle, and it's it. we not were... for a lot. La- I mean, like I've got ridiculous like high speed internet. It's just I think it's just in the apartment complex I'm in. There's just too much stuff going on. That's just like mm. it's just killing the the dependability of it. At someone's that high someone's speed. mining Bitcoin upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Given <laughs> given the the age range of people who are listening in here, I fully I fully believe that. So hopefully by the summertime, if I end up in a new apartment, end up in a different place, it'll be a little, little different situation. But uh, yeah, kind of, kind of stuck with it as it is right now. And I've got not only does Jeremy want to do it, but I've got pressure coming on me from the Observer. They want uh, my other podcast to be video as well. And I'm like, sorry guys, like there's, there's nothing I can do. So we'll 
We'll get there eventually. We're going to launch a Patreon tier to get Adam better internet somehow. <laughs> well, you're going to, it's not to get me better internet because I've got like, you. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to get me a better apartment because yeah. I've got, I really well, can't go much higher. But it's a listeners, there you go. <laughs> we'll start a GoFundMe, Ko-Fi, uh, yeah. Coffee, what is that little thing? Uh, one of those. We'll start it. But, um, as long as I have your velvety voice in my ears, that's all I need. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, you said it. And that, that's the exact thought that I had when I first uh, saw this card. And it's main evented by a six man or it's, it's main evented by a six man uh, title match for the Progress Championship. You have uh, Jimmy Havoc, the champion, defending against Marty Skrull, Dave Mastiff, Noam Dar, Paul Robinson and Will Ospreay. Now, uh, all five or four of those guys have had individual title matches in the previous chapters where Jimmy Havoc, you know, slides by in some way or fashion. Uh, Paul Robinson, as you guys probably figured out, is a uh, in a faction with Jimmy Havoc. So he's basically there to kind of help Havoc uh, defend the title. Um, but you mentioned that like all their stars are in this one match. So the rest of the card is kind of it's a little thin, but there is some good stuff. Uh, amongst it and it's, there's no real well maybe you guys will disagree but there's not no real bad matches except for one actually now that i just think about it but we'll get to we'll it. get through we'll it, get yeah. to it. There, there's <laughs> a reason though and i'll bring it up <laughs> i wouldn't say there's anything that's a hundred percent terrible other than the one thing that i'm sure you're going to bring up but it is it, to me it's a bit noteworthy and it's also indicative of the style and the time period on the indies whether it be here in the u.s or in the uk how mm-hmm. stylistically similar a lot of the wrestlers are and it's something that Jeremy and I talk about a lot when we go to shows together, how when you've got say 15 guys on a show that are all doing the, uh, you know, the, the step up Gamangiri into the springboard, whatever, and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. which is great. But when you've got two of them that can do it really, really, really well. And then the other 13 that try to do it, but don't do it as crisply. It kind of, it almost kind of detracts from then the two guys that do it really well, because you've seen it over and over, you know, over and over on the show. So there's like Dave Mastiff. I was thrilled when I saw that dude on this show and I saw him doing what he was doing in this match. I'm like, thank you. Somebody. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's definitely, I mean, that's modern wrestling in a nutshell. Kind of, you get a lot of, a lot of, uh, moonsaults and Canadian destroyers and enziguris and, kind of blend together eventually like you said but it feels um, like everybody's kind of you know at a certain point everybody started training to be the same wrestler and yeah you know it's there's a great quote or a great uh great interview that Minoru Suzuki did uh last year where he talked about how John Moxley was terrible at everything and that's what makes him a great wrestler basically <laughs> the idea that the the things that you aren't great at, the things that you aren't perfect at, let's say you don't run the ropes perfectly or you don't move exactly like everybody else or, you know, the kick you throw looks a little bit different. Those things that maybe in a training school, they'd say, well, that's, you know, that's off. You got to drill that. In the end, those are the things that actually make you look like a little bit different wrestler and make you stand out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely value to being a little rough around the edges, Oh, I think. Yeah, we love we love when the roughness adds to the struggle. And yes. then it makes it uh, just a, a different. It uh, less polished is sometimes uh, an advantage to a match, as you you can see the struggle. It adds a different dimension, a different layer to it. And mm-hmm. it, you know, to be clear, uh, Adam and I review uh, classic pro wrestling shows on our podcast, so we 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 review a lot of old stuff and stuff stuff that's at least ten years old. So, uh, yeah. uh, but to be clear, we do watch 
a ton of modern pro wrestling. We went oh. from all over the world. <laughs> and, hours and, and hours and hours a week. Um, yes. And, and and also to be clear, so people don't think I'm like a Jim Cornette type. I right. love modern wrestling. <laughs> right. That's I what want to make sure that I watch these kids tens, these days. Tens of hours a week for wrestling uh, of modern wrestling for the Japanese wrestling podcast that I do, the Big Audio Nightmare, on top of going to indie shows all the time. So, like, I appreciate the and modern we, style. We went to AEW but... on last Wednesday in Chicago. Yeah. So. We <laughs> oh, fought yeah. Exactly. We battled a snowstorm to get there. <laughs> Ooh, did, we, did we ever? So, yeah, the modern style isn't something that's a put-off necessarily, but it's just, it's interesting when you're watching a full show like this that the guys that, if you were just to put them on a random show, like Dave Mastiff wouldn't necessarily stand out. But when you put them on a show with, you know, a Will Ospreay and a Flash Morgan Webster who are great at the high-flying style and then sort of a, a cascading list of guys who aren't as good, Dave Massive to me stands out as the guy that was the most noticeable guy on the entire card. Are you trying to tell me that bubblegum isn't good? Oh, he is not good. <laughs> I can oh, confirm. Understand. And I, again, I don't... So- I don't want to blow our load on that. Uh, I, w- I, want to, I want us to edge to, to that match. It's towards the end. Yes. Yes. What a strange, strange character and wrestling style match together. We will get to it. Let's put it this way. I saw him on the card. I was like, man, I've never heard of this guy. I figured out why. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I try not to usually go on the old Wikipedia. I usually right. hit the cage match, but I had to go full Wikipedia to figure out what the deal was with this dude because I was shocked that I had no idea who he was. Yeah. Well... We figured it out. We figured out why. Um, yes. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. Just close. Yeah, maybe yeah. one day. Maybe one. Is he still alive? You said he did a Wikipedia search. He he is. And that's the one thing. I, I don't know how much you have or haven't touched on uh, fully on the progress side in terms of the, uh, the whole speaking out movement. And mm. like to me, that was the other thing with this show. When I saw progress and then I looked at the card, I'm like, oh, wow, it's progress from 2015. And there's a fairly high percentage of guys from here that uh, have been fairly credibly implicated in some not too yeah. great things. And he, uh, uh, from what I could tell, he's one of those guys that was, uh, well, that makes was, sense. had gotten himself mixed up in that whole, uh, it had done some terrible things. I don't want to equivocate and say got himself mixed up. He, uh, he's a naughty boy. No, yeah. We'll just say that. Yeah. And, 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 and that's a whole separate podcast. We could dive yeah. into all of the speaking out stuff. If you aren't aware of, of that, go, there's plenty of, of people more talented than us that have covered that in depth and uh, you should definitely read it and you should definitely see uh, what happened and, and keep, keep a lookout on what people are doing to try to make the, the wrestling scene, especially the British wrestling scene, a better place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so. no, and it's you've got some people who are really trying to make it a better scene, and then you've got some reputation mm-hmm. laundering going on. And so it's uh, it, it is interesting though because you see some very big stars on this show, some guys that were, you know, trending to go a certain direction, and then when things came out about what they did, you know, they've dropped off the map or uh, main event in Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is uh, yeah different different avenues people take to. Uh, <laughs> To handle that but yeah I so we yeah. are definitely not not minimizing or ignoring it but we are going to do our best to separate uh the, right. the art from the artist in this review specifically yeah we're going to review the show is yep. the idea we, we can compartmentalize the performers 
separate from the people for this room. Yeah. yeah, if we've if we've been able to do it with uh, Chris we, Benoit, Jeremy, yeah. I, I, I swear the, to you, I was literally about to say that. Yeah, it shows yeah. up that, all the time on the randomizer. And, yeah, that first episode that we did about that had a Benoit match, which was the Royal Rumble 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a lot about it on there, and like we always say on the podcast, when we go into talking about a Chris Benoit match, we're not uh, we're not ignoring it. Go back and listen to that episode. We've talked through it as much as we can exactly. and just know that all the feelings we had when we talked about that a couple of years ago, we still have them now. And it's the yeah. same way with this. It's one of those things where it's like, it, it, it can't be unsaid. Like everybody has the same kind of feeling. Nobody's like, yeah, yeah Chris Benoit, good for you. Like everybody's like kind of on the same boat. So we can kind of. I, <laughs> I will say though, we did have someone decide to oh. stop listening to the podcast. We got a one-star we, review because we gave ooh. a disclaimer about it. Yeah. Yeah, leave a nasty oh, review we because <laughs> we we talked about Chris Benoit and what he did and how terrible it was and how how conflicted it made us yeah. feel about watching his matches. Someone stopped listening to the podcast one star. for that. So. Yeah, so. But we, we <laughs> powered on. Been... We soldiered on without him. And we've been yes. able to, to produce three seasons of, of you content. Sure? Yeah. You sure you guys are going to be able to make it without <laughs> yeah, that fellow? Yeah, we did. So, <laughs> somehow the show continued without the Chris Benoit uh, moralists. Uh, <laughs> Uh, on on board, so we, we survived thankfully, and we're here with you. Well, hopefully you guys survived that. Hopefully you don't bring your one star guy to my podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Certainly, this might we, be a bad idea. We're hoping that we bring some of your uh, for, uh, some of your your passionate listeners over to uh, give our podcast. You don't want that. Right. There's yeah. a bunch of animals that listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of animals, let's talk about this intro here. So it's chapter eighteen. It's uh, the third anniversary of progress which is pretty significant. And one thing about this show, which you guys hadn't seen other shows, so you wouldn't know that this was different. Typically, these shows, they don't show any entrances. They don't show, like, the intro. When Jim Smallman, who's the owner, ring announcer guy, they don't show any of that in the beginning. They just cut right to the matches, and then a match will end, and then it'll be, like, a graphic on screen that'll cut right to, like, right before the match starts. For each so match, a- so they don't show any entrances at all, you're saying? Pretty much no. Maybe maybe a few here and there if like something happens during the entrance, but in yeah. general they don't show really any entrances. Um, so I don't know if that's something they just do going forward, or if that was a special thing for the anniversary, or if they just didn't catch it this time. Who knows? Because um, it's a lot of the music's. I don't know what the copyright deal is yeah. with the music. There's but. a lot of Metallica, and I said uh, I don't think Lars Ulrich signed off no. on uh, the usage <laughs> of this much Metallica. Yeah, I, I'll that's tell like, you what. At the at the open, I was a little bit disappointed. I heard that music, and I thought, oh man, Nick Gage in progress, <laughs> but uh, sadly not the case. I yeah. Anytime it a show was... opens with "For Whom the Bell Tolls," I'm in. I know we're off to we're going to be <laughs> off to a good start. Yeah, especially when a dog comes out. Uh, yeah. So we got uh, we got Jim Smallman. It's just like the banter in the beginning. He's kind of warming up the crowd, I guess, a little bit going over the rules, which there's only one rule. And that's don't be a dick, apparently. Um, and then as Jim is talking, music interrupts him and a dog mascot comes out like kind of a Clifford, the big, big red dog kind of deal. Maybe a little more badass version of Clifford. I, I would, assumed I it was Cody him. Rhodes in the mascot, having experienced uh, end stage uh, Bullet Club Ring of Honor. Oh, yes. <laughs> that would have made sense. That would have made sense. Um, but it was not. It was the download dog, who apparently is a thing. The so mascot of the download festival. Yes, there of course. 
We all know this, right? <laughs> I know the Download Festival. I was aware yeah. of that because I know they've done wrestling there before. And the, and, the and marketing of the Download yeah. Dog, apparently. The Download Dog, I missed that. I haven't seen that on many, many. Uh, it hasn't, yeah. hasn't reached over the pond no. yet. No, um, no. But maybe we'll start it here. Uh, but yeah, the Download Dog is here to uh, basically give, give Jim Smallman a note announcing that progress will be a part of the Download Festival uh, coming up here, uh, I don't know what, what exactly, maybe a few months after this show, um, for several days. So that's, that's a big deal, big festival, um, progress, still fairly new. I mean, they're three years in, but they're only 18 shows in, really, so they're still fairly new. So it's a big deal for progress at this point. Um, so the dog's out there, everybody's having fun. Oh, man, progress, going to download. And then out comes Jimmy Havoc, the progress champion. Um... I should say on that note that the dog gave to Smallman, uh, one of the amendments was uh, Jimmy Havoc is banned from the festival. Because uh, seems uh, like a good you, idea. Great all idea. Around, yeah. Really. <laughs> wrestling, not wrestling. I'd say if you're holding the Download Festival, Jimmy Havoc can if, be outside the. Festival. I don't know if we want to talk about Jimmy Havoc now or later, but let's I, get it out of the way now. I'm just going to jump in and say, how is this man the world champion? of this company with all these other great wrestlers. And they said at one point that he'd been the world champion for 14 months. Yep. Uh, do you want me, do you want me to tell you how he won the title? Maybe that'll shed some light. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I don't, I, I've, I've seen Jimmy Havoc in a lot of places. Uh, he, uh, in AEW and, and other, mm-hmm. uh, uh, other, the promotions and I've never various rocks and dark alleys. Yeah. I never, I never (laughs) got it. I never got like the popularity. Like he seems to have a cult following, but like, and, and people dug it, but I, I don't, the, the character and the wrestler never really did anything for me. I, I, I always came off to me like a Kirkland's British Raven. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I could. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. Just in, in, I, I don't know if it's uh, I don't know what it is, but it never never clicked with me. I never got it. I never got the the, the push. But like uh, here, he seemed uh, to be pretty uh, got got a lot of reactions from the crowd for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think Jimmy Havoc he plays the slime ball heel really well, especially when you factor in he has a faction surrounding him that helps him win a lot of matches. All the hullabaloo surrounding it. Um, and Jimmy Havoc came into progress as a major babyface. Like on there was like an internet campaign to get him on the shows. Oh, wow. he, he came on some of the shows. The crowd was really behind him. And then he had a brutal heel turn. I think it was chapter nine, where uh, he attacked Jim Smallman and a couple other wrestlers and just shit all over the fans um in the British way they do. So it was really vulgar and violent. Um so and that was it that was just a really jarring heel turn and I think that kind of momentum has carried itself forward. Um and he's built that over time adding people to his faction and getting out all of all these title matches in different ways and the way he won the title initially so Mark Andrews was the champion. He basically Mark Andrews won a tournament to where he could challenge the champion at any time he wanted. So he challenged the champion who at the time was Rampage Brown. He challenged him right after he won the tournament, caught Rampage off guard. They had a little match and Mark Andrews rolled him up for a quick victory. So Mark Andrews was, was champion. Uh, and now comes Jimmy Havoc who uh, beats on Mark Andrews 
at the time the title was a staff, which that's a whole other thing. But the yeah, title was a big with the weird stuff. With the, the titles <laughs> the on this shield. show, like we'll, we'll get to the tag title <laughs> match later. Like I thought that was, I thought it was like the faceless gimmick, but instead that's the championship. <laughs> no, that's the championship. Some shield that looks like it's from a stage show at Universal Studios. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they have a belt for the world title. The, that's, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty new at this point because initially they had it was a staff and it had an eagle on top of it, which is the Progress logo. But it was this gargantuan thing that everybody had to carry around. It was ridiculous. Taking but, that um, to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it makes a good weapon, apparently. So yeah. you beat up Mark Andrews with it. Yeah, um, no one tell uh, Gato and Dick Togo will have a, a staff championship in New Japan, and the, that'll be the House of Torture championship matches. Is that not a thing? You could, you could have told me that's a real thing. I would have believed you. <laughs> yeah, close. yeah. at this point, I'm shocked we haven't like glued two of Yoshihashi's both staffs together and made it the House of Torture <laughs> TV championship. We're too, yeah, it's too, too, too close to be, uh, to be funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cuts too It's not enough of an exaggeration. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jimmy Havoc, he threatened to light Mark Andrews on fire um, if he didn't get a title shot. Uh, right now so he was awarded one because they didn't want a man to die uh, via fire so they gave him a title match and jimmy havoc just pinned him and won the title because he basically just picked the bones and now he's been champion for i think it was 14 months you said wow it's it's weird because they say 14 months but then they also say it's his third anniversary of being the champion and like i feel like i'm better than brian alvarez at math but still that doesn't seem to work Mm. Yeah, there's something wrong there. But keep in mind, they, they only do shows every other month. So yeah. he's, he's probably has like, I don't know, six defenses, maybe. Yeah. Um, so after so so he sends two dudes to the ring. They beat up this mascot. And then and then the show is finally going to start. We're 15 minutes in I, a <laughs> lot of a lot of a lot of Smallman's uh, intro here. Uh, I, I had real a lot of banter, a lot of banter. I had a lot of like this meeting could have been an email vibe from <laughs> from the start. Uh, and I'll tell you but, what I had flashbacks to is going to IWA Mid-South shows and Ian Rotten Ian coming Rotten. out and talking for 45 minutes about every <laughs> grievance and yelling at the people who were at the show because we were somehow the problem that there weren't more people at the show. This wasn't quite that. Uh, but it mm-hmm. was still it was so lengthy. My takeaway from this first 15 minutes was that uh, swearing definitely allowed on uh, both over the house mic and the commentary. Uh, there's no tip jar. There's no swear jar there. It's all it's all good. I've got uh, yeah. Jim Smallman commentary thoughts later. We'll get to those. Oh, boy. I can't wait. <laughs> wait. So is Jim Smallman on play by player? That Because yes. the guy said he was yeah. Jimmy mm-hmm. Barnett. That's that. Is that what he called himself on commentary? Yeah, it's like okay. uh, when Gabe Sapolsky was commentary for ROH in the early days, and he went by uh, Chris Lovey. Yes, weren't there two? It's Chris Lovey that I think he used a different name too. Like at the very beginning, I think he was. Two well, different no matter names. what name he used, it was awful. Right. So. Yeah, <laughs> very recognizable. And not <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the show starts out with a little animal brutality to, to kick off the show. So really, really starting off your experience well here. I also, yeah, progress. it would be a good time to have this is progress chanted. Then I don't I, right. that always amused me. Like you would have like the most regressive, uh, offensive things happen on the show, and then the crowd would chant this is progress. And my yeah. <laughs> just thinking of your context, like oh man, I got to watch a show with a bunch of rapists and pedophiles. <laughs> but at least there's no animal brutality. Oh yeah. god damn it. Yeah, exactly. Just let's just uh, oh, for Pete's scra- sake scratch them all off the list, I guess, before we get to the actual yeah, my, matches. Hey, might as well. Might as well just get all out of the way. Um, but yeah, opening match here. We got Zach Gibson versus Damo O'Connor. 
aka Killian Dane. Killian Dane, and, and then Zach Gibson would go on to be uh, one of the grizzled young vets in NXT as well. So mm-hmm. these are these are two guys I'm familiar with from uh, from NXT television. Jeremy, didn't we see? Correct me if I'm wrong. Did we see Killian Dane at that uh, takeover show at Barclays that we were at? Was he on that show? I feel like he was. Um, I feel like he was. Uh, Sanity days. Yeah, yeah, that would have been. Yeah, the, that would have been the mania uh, bef- uh the New York mania. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure that he was. I think that was probably the only time either of us have seen him live. Mm-hmm. Was that when they won the tag titles? Yes. Yes, that is. Right. It. Yep. Yeah, so a couple tag team uh, aficionados here in the opening match here. So we got Zach Gibson coming out. Uh, lots of two-one chance, which uh, apparently is a soccer reference. I guess uh, the the team that the people there like lost a soccer game match show. So, um, <laughs> but, yeah, obviously Liverpool. Zach Gibson. Um, people in London do not like Liverpool, to say the least. Lots yeah, of, that uh, I did get from this. That that certainly uh, that certainly came out. Jimmy Barnett slash Jim Smalls uh, Smalls says that there's something uh, about Scouser culture that is an issue here. Uh, and then at, at one point early in this match, uh, the crowd starts singing "Where's My Car Stereo." And this is this is when I realized, oh yes, I am watching a Brit Rest show, and this is not going to be. Uh, I'm going to have to recalibrate my brain for the crowd reactions here, or just be able to accept that I'm not going to know what these human beings are talking about. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just got to sit back sometimes. It's like, oh, I'm never going to understand what that is. They, they, they <laughs> yes. make references to TV shows over there. It's like, oh, okay, it's The Office, Ricky Gervais, something. Oh, who knows? Well, they start out all together, and by the end of this show, you can see the 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 drunkenness take over, and then it's just yes. like pockets of their own stuff going on. But yeah, <laughs> early it's it's everyone together trying to uh, have a good sing along, and then by the end, it's just it's a mess. Oh, at first it's like impressive yeah. how synced yeah. they are. It's <laughs> like they they must have had practice before this, and then it's just like ah, yeah. villain. Um. Damo versus Zach Gibson. It's a fun opener. You have uh, Damo starting off hot with a drop kick. That big bastard, that big hairy bastard just coming out like a cannon. Uh, they fight outside. They get Someone gets thrown into the ringside chairs, which I'm always a sucker for that kind of spot. Uh, I believe it's Zach Gibson. He gets drop kicked into all the chairs. He's, he's drop kicked and ends up three rows deep into the chairs. Just completely wipes out. The, I don't know if this is a common spot here, but it was for this show. It was... Mm-hmm. Uh, you would see as soon as people went out to the floor, uh, the front row would scatter. Like, yeah, like people... Stan Hansen was coming out at an All Japan show <laughs> in the 80s. Like, people scattered. Yeah, They knew what to do for sure. And, and I guess when you've got uh, Big Demo coming in at a kayfabe 320 pounds from Jimmy Barnett, which cracked me up. It made me think of all those shows uh, that we watch, Jeremy, where it's you know wrestling from the 80s, and a guy is probably like legit weighing in at 215 and girl monsoon says he's like 305 that's right like demo's <laughs> big but i don't know that he was 320 he looks here. dense though he looks like a dense boy oh for he, sure he, he does and i guess i guess they could sort of be doing weight by scale and when i say by scale I, I guess i'm meaning that it's relative weight and if you look at the fact that most of the guys in this show are well under 200 pounds Mm. Comparatively speaking, Damo might be close to 400 pounds. I don't ever want to hear British weight not referred to in stone, first of yes. all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but um, so, yeah, they're fighting on the outside a little bit. 
At some point, Damo charges Gibson, but Gibson gets out of the way and Damo goes arm first into the ring post. And that sets up a lot of arm work inside the ring by Zach Gibson because uh, his finisher is the Shankly Gates, which is an arm-based mission. So he's doing various submissions and moves to target the arm. Just going back uh, to that post spot, it cracked me up because it's one of those things that always, it's always amusing to me about wrestling physics is that when you start doing a move, when you start running toward the post, the animation must finish. And when, what I mean by that is he's running towards the post, yeah. his opponent moves, and yet he continues running toward the post until that video game animation is over. It's one of those things that, as a wrestling fan, you almost don't notice it. But if you were to show it to a non-wrestling fan, they'd be like, why did that man continue running headfirst into that seal object? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Us, us, uh, uh, us wrestling fans, we just we accept it. It's it's totally fine. Look, Damo is 478 pounds. <laughs> when you have that kind of weight behind you, you can't just stop, okay? It's like a train. That is accurate. But how many stone is that? That's what I mean. <laughs> it, in the ring, when Demo starts throwing these avalanches in the corner and uh, and 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 takes over, this this is some good offense here. There's a lot a lot of fire, a lot of good momentum, and uh, this is Demo's progress debut. So uh, yep. this is a, a good showing for for Demo here on offense. Well, it's also noticeable, and we'll get to it with one guy in particular later on the show. And I don't think it's just revisionist history. Uh, like when you look at the show, you can very clearly see that the guys who are going to be stars in a couple of years, they stand out on oh, this yeah. show so much more than the bubble gums of the world. <laughs> and and uh, Damo here, uh, the future Killian Dane definitely, uh, definitely fits that bill. Yeah. No, Damo's his look here is great by the way. Cause he, it was very minimalist. It was like very old school British, just trunks. It almost looked like just underwear he was wearing yeah. with boots. It's because the, the no knee pads always do that. Yes, yeah. yes that's what it was. Because eventually in NXT, they'd had like a, a shirt and jeans. It almost made him look small yeah. when he had all that on. But he looked like a gargantuan here, a big, hairy gargantuan. Um, but yeah, the, the, my favorite spot probably of the whole match is when Gibson, I believe he was on his stomach. Damo gets on his back and he like surfs on him and then he does a senton from yes. that surf. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But uh, so Gibson, he goes for a lung blower off the second rope, but Damo counters into a power bomb, spine buster kind of deal, um, but kicks out at two. Uh, then Damo goes for a splash in the corner, but uh, Gibson gets out of the way and then is able to hit that lung blower, followed by a really impressive, like spinning brain buster, which the strength on this guy to pick up this 783 pounder <laughs> or whatever I said earlier. Um, he basically, he invented, uh, the blade buster, Jay White's future, uh, setup hmm. move. God, how uh, many moves does Jay White? Have? I feel like every movie does has a name for it. That's <laughs> yeah, every, crazy. Everything does have a wacky name for it. That is absolutely true. The it's, sheath it's, slam. Oh, try, try <laughs> we crusher. Yeah. Try reviewing an ECW show from the, uh, from the, the late nineties. Oh God. Uh, Joey and, Styles. And try catching up name. with, yeah. With, you want to talk about everything's got a name. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm still in 95 ECW. So all the only moves people are doing are, stabbing with glass and yes. kendo stick shots so there's not a lot of names for moves yet well gibson uh here pulls out a fork to do some stabbing out of his boot man that's a segue this guy's a host <laughs> this guy's a podcast host the best part about it though is that it's the decoy fork <laughs> the decoy fork you're right no he had half a whole silverware set yes. in his boots <laughs> yeah I, I was disappointed that he didn't have like the uh 
the regular fork and then the salad fork. Mm. <laughs> are, are we sure that he did? Did we get a good look at it? Now this, yeah. If this had been an HD, we may have been able to make that, uh, that mm. analysis. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, I'm watching this match. It's like, oh, it's a fun little opener. It just escalates quickly. Like this yeah. guy, he pulls out a fork. Zach Gibson does. The ref takes it. Like you said, the decoy fork. Only for Gibson to pull out a second fork out of his boot to stab Damo in the face with said fork. And then uh, Gibson follows it up with a penalty kick. And that gives Zach Gibson the win. So, uh, yeah, Gibson looks like a savage coming out of this. Gets the win. Damo looks good coming out of it as well. So uh, I, I enjoyed it for yeah, what it was. Totally fine opener. Absolutely. Yeah, totally fine opener, except for, again, going back to uh, uh, whatever we're calling the announcer, Jim Smallman uh, mm-hmm. here. So this match happens. The finish happens. We have a fork used, a fork and a decoy fork. And then the, the announcer, Smallman, is just like, well, that's a great win for Gibson. And he shows, like, no outrage at all for the fact okay. that a fork was just used. <laughs> all right, I'm going to share my Smallman opinions now, then, because that's Please. exactly. So throughout this show, uh, he's less of a commentator and more of a reporter. Like he's he's got no emotion mm. or fire or anything to put over uh, anything that's happening. He he will just report in like like uh, just uh, I've got it's examples. It's a top of the later. hour BBC news yeah, update. He's, he's on literally the show. just running down the moves of what just happened, <laughs> and he's saying what's happening, not reacting what's happening. No, and he's not telling a story. He's not giving me any backstory about any of these guys. Like mm-hmm. all, all the stuff that you told me at the top, Kyle. I heard none of that throughout any of this show. <laughs> uh, like there's a lot of uh, like he's literally just reporting the moves that are happening and then reports when the finish happened. And that's it. Like it's it's not commentating on a pro wrestling show. And it's definitely not built for dropping in randomly on a show. We talk about on our podcast how much we appreciate mm. when announcers will really lay things out for you. Joey Styles was very good at that. Tony Schiavone, uh, Jim Ross, uh, you know, even Gordon Soley back in the day. Um, this was not that well, because you, you're talking as a commentator, you've got to talk to your hardcore fans that have been there since day one, but you've got to talk to the fans that are, this is their first show. They're dropping in, they're checking it out. They're giving it a chance. And, and you, cause you've always got to be thinking that your audience is growing. So, yeah. uh, how are you catching them up, uh, on what's going on? And how are you also catering to your hardcore fans who have been here since day one and giving them little nuggets to move things forward as well? Yeah, that's a great point. I t- totally agree. I know eventually they move to a two-man booth. I don't know if Smallman continues to do commentary or not. But um, yeah, because I'll often like I I watch early Ring of Honor a lot, and I I you know I dog on uh, Gabe Sapolsky and his commentary because he's very like he's complete opposite. Like he tries too hard to give you every single little detail about every single little storyline going on. Um, and that can get a little bit annoying in its oh, own yeah. way, but I could definitely see, especially you guys coming in cold, not knowing yeah. really any, any of the backstory. But to be fair, this opener didn't really have any backstory. A lot of these matches, actually, because a lot of it, it's very main event heavy, this show. Um, and I suppose like the, the no DQ match has a storyline to it, which they touch on a little bit. But again, there's not much many layers but to I, it, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm yelling and screaming during the Sumerian Death Squad match and Jim Smallman's just like reporting in the facts that are <laughs> happening. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> like this is so exciting. Why why are you no. not going nuts? My favorite is when like somebody would do a crazy move and he'll be like, oh, fuck me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he has a little bit of British Kevin Gill poking through there. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
But let's talk about some suspenders. Boy. So we got, uh... <laughs> yeah, the fashion corner on this one. This is like, in its own way, it's almost as uh, as offensive to me as Easy Money's gear back sure. in the day. <laughs> Easy just Money's me, gear like, though is gross. This is, this is just this is just wacky and, th- and silly. I wouldn't say it's gross, but it does make me feel a little bit uncomfortable still because <laughs> it's like on the top you are like roadkill without a shirt, and then on the bottom <laughs> you are just wearing regular trunks. It's uh, it's a look. I mean, I guess it stands out. I remember it. There aren't too yes. many of these other guys, you know, looks that I could really pick out of a lineup. So he's got that going for him, I guess. And of course, we're talking about Shea Samuels and his open challenge. Mm-hmm. Kyle Ashmore versus Shea Samuels, who Shaw uh, Samuels. Shaw Shaw Samuels. How dare you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is he is he a descendant of Hack Myers? <laughs> uh, man, there is nobody else on the planet that knows about Hack Myers than you two guys. <laughs> Can we talk about Hack Myers for a second? The phenomenon that is Hack Myers. Absolutely. Hack Myers, I'll just say he's one of those guys, though, that it's so funny because we grew up, we, Jeremy and I both grew up in the Chicago area where we did not have ECW on TV in 95, 96, nope. you know, the uh-huh. heyday of Hack Myers. And so the only time like you, you saw Hack Myers' name, you heard about the fact that he was this ECW arena phenomenon, but you never saw him. And then, like, actually seeing him, I'm like, Oh, I guess I really needed to be there to, to, to get the He's whole the deal. He's the Shaw. Shaw. Yes. Shaw. That's all it is. He's the one of the worst wrestlers of all time, but he's the most over at some points. Which in, in some ways is the story of ECW. <laughs> Scale played no part in who was over or not. Um, as long as he had a funny haircut. and. Yes, but ECW it. is not what you called. We have... Uh... <laughs> no, this is uh, uh, you know there's fork stabbings and maybe a little cannibalism later in the show, but we're not there yet. Not there yet. Um, so we got Shaw Samuels versus Kyle Ashmore. So this from is the, original from the Projo, which the Projo, who's not a, a hardcore progress aficionado. I I spent the majority of the rest of this show trying to figure out if that's the best or worst name for a wrestling training school, and I have yet to come to a conclusion. Well, I, hey, do you get it? The pro- the progress it's the dojo. progress dojo. Yeah. yeah, we got it. We're we're, we're trying to. Was that the issue? Yeah, I, that was not the issue. Okay. I was just. Is I'm this in. The on, most I'm, clever I'm thing? in on good name. I'm in on good name. I'm putting a vote in. I Great like name. it. I like it. See, I was leaning pretty heavily towards. I think I really hate this, but hearing but that's, that that's 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 most stuff. <laughs> <laughs> See, the stuff. problem is i'm not a big fan of fun in my wrestling i'm not a real mm. big fan of whimsy when it comes to the grappling and this is this you know this uh, pegs the whimsy meter pretty high but i'll, I'll yeah. defer to both of you this pegs the whimsy meter pretty high he says that's the first time that sentence has been uttered on this the podcast. t-shirt there we go <laughs> it's my it's my property now um, <laughs> but uh yeah it's a pro joe Open challenge. God damn it. Now, now it sounds weird to me now. No, it's good. It's still good. Mission like accomplished. It. No, it's it still like, good. It sounds like a slur of some sort. <laughs> it, it, it's Well, it sounds like a slur or it sounds like another stab at creating like an Ico Pro type product. <laughs> yes, that, that's what it like, is. I need to have a Pro Joe shake and then <laughs> work out so I can get big and get higher. Pro Joe. Yes, yes. Uh, but it's a Pro Joe Open Challenge that Shaw Samuels is uh, having, and Kyle Ashmore is the one that accepts. Uh, so this is Kyle Ashmore's first progress show. As we mentioned, he's from the Pro Joe. 
Um, and so he, he's relatively new to the game, I suppose. Uh, not, not a lot to the match, I'll be honest. I mean, this Kyle Asmore fella, he seems like a ginger John Silver to me. Um, if anybody needs like a, a visual aid. Um, Jeremy, that must be why you texted me and said how big of a fan you were of Kyle Ashmore. Uh, that, that text never was sent. <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Deemer, not a fan of the John Silver. <laughs> I am not. I am the biggest Ooh. anti-John Silver guy. And I, I sometimes I feel alone, especially when I'm at an AEW show. I feel alone being anti-John Silver. But well, you uh, think you feel alone. I'm the anti-Dan Housen guy. So <laughs> <laughs> think how I feel. But anyway, no, I, that's a good, it's a good comp. It um, is a good comp, yes. Ky, like Kyle Ashmore, he's... Again, with the understanding that he's very early on in his career, he's totally fine here. He is certainly yeah. that guy that I mentioned earlier that is wrestling, training to wrestle the same style that every other indie wrestler in every corner of the world wrestles. But he's he's mm-hmm. completely inoffensive. Yeah. No, he, he definitely fits the bill of what you guys were talking about earlier, about how a lot of guys kind of wrestled the same way, like like you just mentioned. And Kyle Ashmore is the epitome of that. But like, like you said, he's very early on in his career, so that's to be expected. And he held his own in this match for what it was. Um, I mean, the only like notable spot in this match for me was when Shaw hit a spine buster. They got a two count and Shaw. I've never seen anybody more livid at a referee than Shaw Samuels <laughs> got here. He, his I mean, he, the referee was in the fetal position and Shaw Samuels, his, his trunks were right here. I'll just I'll say that. <laughs> um, didn't know what he was trying to do here, but it is, you know. Rest there, after all there was also one other weird thing that happened in this match where uh shaw runs at kyle ashworth kyle's near the ropes shaw runs at him and then just takes a flat back bump for no reason at all <laughs> i don't know if he thought that kyle ashworth was gonna hit him with a super kick or hit him with something but he just takes a flat back back bump as though it's you know like an eddie guerrero spot where you're doing the like the fake mm-hmm. cheat, throw the belt. The ref doesn't see it. You take a bump. That, but it was just somebody forgot something here. Yeah, yeah. yeah There's a few timing issues here, but yeah. Shaw wins with a pile driver, gets the pin. Like you mentioned, not a lot to this, and I was mostly disappointed because we didn't get any spot where Ashmore would snap the suspenders of Samuels. <laughs> they must be, they must be saving that for a bigger match. But uh, that's, a, that's a sign of a rookie right there. You, there you, you see, go. It looked so obvious. I, I was waiting for it the whole time and never, never got. <laughs> I think we learned what they do and don't teach at the pro gym. <laughs> Not a lot of suspenders drills. No. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's how they learned. Maybe they <laughs> added it. It's the graduate course. Yeah. <laughs> you can get an IRS in there or a Madcap <laughs> Moss. You got to know what to do when, you, when you're you in that situation. Um, but yeah, Kyle, Kyle asked why he, hits, he goes for a pretty sweet looking spiral tap, but uh, misses. And like you said, pile driver by Shaw for the win. Um, but uh, after that, we got maybe my match of the night here. Yes. I'm so excited to talk about this match. Yes. Business picks up here for <laughs> sure. And what we talked about Quickly. earlier as far as you can tell watching this show who the stars are going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know if there's any better description of that uh, than seeing Tommy and the future Alistair Black, the future Malachi Black out here just among all these other wrestlers, particularly because most of the other guys on this show that would go on to be big stars, 
they're not really the fully formed version of who they would be as a star. Whereas mm-hmm. here, Tommy end in 2015, he's every bit of Alistair black slash Malachi black that oh, yeah. you would see in, in, in more modern times. Like he's there, but, but at, when he comes out on the, on the entrance ramp, uh, so he comes out on the stage before going down the stairs, right? Comes out on the stage, him and Michael Dante is tag team partner, the Sumerian death squad. Now I do not, uh, I do not look ahead to the card when I watch a show. I like to be surprised at, at what's going to happen here. So, except for when I text you and say, "Oh my God, it's Reno Riggins against uh, Iron Mike Sharp for 15 <laughs> minutes." You excited? I said yes. No spoilers, and so I, I, I try to avoid uh, the the card ahead of time. So I have no idea who the Sumerian Death Squad is off the top of my head <laughs> uh, hearing this introduction. And I've, I, uh, it, when they come out, I immediately said, oh, that looks like a low-rent version of, uh, uh, of Malachi Black there. And then uh, as he <laughs> emerges from uh, the lighting into uh, a more well-lit uh, uh, camera angle, I'm like, oh, no, that's Tommy End. And they, they put the Chiron on the bottom. I'm like, sure is. I'm like, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I'm ready to ready to watch him go here against uh, two dudes that uh, I've never heard of. And I had to look up. These are like, I don't know about Chuck Mambo, but is he just like a random indie geek? Or well, did Chuck he Mambo do is still around. Chuck Mambo is actually a featured wrestler in current day Rev Pro. And it is always a trip to see Chuck Mambo mixing it up with Young Lions and future New Japan main event. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And he really is no different than he is here as a very young wrestler in 2015. He is still every yeah. bit the Chuck Mambo that you see here. Oh. These guys, it's Chuck Mambo and Pastor William Ever. Uh, and they look they look like men who should die at the hands of the Sumerian death squad within yes. a matter of seconds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I was yes, I was like, oh, oh, okay. When when I saw these guys come out, I'm like, ugh, this is like this is overdone. Uh, Are you guys besmirching the name of Sweet Jesus? <laughs> That's right. I forgot. As a team, they are Sweet Jesus. Yes, I forgot. <laughs> See, now I will say that's a much better tag team name, Sweet Je- Sweet Jesus, than not, uh, sweet, not Sweet Jesus. That'll spot <laughs> another direction. Um, <laughs> that's bubblegum. <laughs> God, there you go. But no, Sweet Jesus. I will take that as a tag team name over Pro Joe for the dojo. That's, that's kind of where I'm yeah. at. Right. Both are good. I approve of both names. They're both fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, so, so yeah, I was very excited to see the uh, Sumerian Death Squad uh, yeah. uh, do a number on these guys here. But yeah, this is the first time I've seen the Sumerian Death Squad. I've heard of them. I've, I've, I'm aware they were big in uh, WXW previously to this. Um, and you got Chuck Mambo and Pastor William Ever, who are uh, graduates of the Projo. So they learned the suspender drills, I guess. <laughs> yes. w- weren't able to apply it here, but, you know. They could have if they if they had the chance. Well, but, and who um, knows if uh, if Tommy Yen had stayed uh, stayed around in WWE long enough, he may have had suspenders. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, boy, speaking of Tommy End and his partner here, Michael Dante, uh, could two guys have taken more different career paths? Like, wow, like these two. So what what has happened to Michael Dante? Yeah, I have never seen or heard of Michael Dante in That's my the life point. until that, this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> He's I, like, I, I, I pulled him up. He just, you know, uh, indies, like a lot of indies, like never never anything big. Uh, more Janetti than Janetti as far as the uh, the trajectory oh, of the tag team. No, Janetti had a run. Uh, but this, That's this, why I said more Janetti oh, than Janetti. Yeah. Yeah. No, this guy didn't well, do anything uh, of 
note, like beyond the indie, independent scene. Well, I don't know when uh, Tommy N started teaming with uh, Brody King. I don't know if that was recently or if that was around this era, but the whole time I'm watching this, because as we're recording this, uh, Brody King, Malachi Black are teaming on AEW, and I couldn't help but make the comparisons. Yeah, Michael Dante is almost like a, a smaller version of Brody King, a less tattooed version of him. I mean, that's why that's kind of like saying I'm a smaller version of Brock Lesnar. <laughs> like he is, he is a smaller and, true yeah, it is factually true but burying the lead uh a little bit but no he is definitely smaller he is also i mean the thing i'll say about dante teaming with uh with tommy end here is that traditionally in tag teams you always had the very sort of like just meat and potatoes guy who wasn't very impressive. And then you had the really impressive guy, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, Jim Neidhart and Bret Hart is always the best example of that or a uh, mm-hmm. British Bulldog and a Dynamite Kid. At least you could say that with this. Like, you know who the guy in the tag team is. It is undoubtedly Tommy End. Whereas I feel like when you see a Brody King and uh, and uh, Malachi Black together, it's almost like obviously not size wise, like a skyscrapers deal where it's, you know, both guys are the top guy. There there were several spots to kind of piggyback on what you're saying. There are several spots in this match where you have like Tommy N in the ring. He's just doing all these Muay Thai roundhouse kicks and flying knees and pump kicks to both guys one after the other. And then Tommy N will just tag in Michael Dante and he'll just run and just clothesline people just over <laughs> and over again. So it's like a very meat and potatoes. Yeah. W- versus with the uh, the Tommy N who's more the flash of the team. Very sad when those tags took place. Thankfully, we had and not that he was horrible, but he was just he just took up space, whereas uh, Tommy N just leaps off the screen. Boy, he does. This is this is one of those. We're going to talk about it again later with some of the guys uh, towards the main event. But man, uh, Tommy End, Yeah, he jumps off the screen. He's uh, you, you can tell that this guy's uh, he's different than than everybody. He's uh, he's on he's he's on a higher level and you can tell he's going to ascend to. To bigger this guy's a star and and the people reacted sure. to him that way at, from the start and you could tell he to my point earlier like even here in 2015 there was nothing he needed to add to his game like he was you could have taken him 2015 out of this and stuck him into the upper card of new japan and he would have fit right away like every bit as much as he would now if he went mm-hmm. absolutely yeah he's definitely the one that stuck out but to be fair i mean the this, the match in general i mean it slapped it was a great match this was great all four guys played their part i thought um, a little too much offense for sweet jesus i could have like yes that was it was it was because i'm you had the sumerian death squad which the, the, the name alone just has this intimidation factor about it and then you see the guys involved in it, it was oh these are some pretty big dudes and then you have a chuck mambo who looks like the owen hart impersonator uh, from the nation skit. <laughs> yes. Yes. And <laughs> you have Pastor William e- Ever, uh, otherwise known as Bill Ever gang. Uh, got Bill it. Ever. Got Did it. We get it. Wow. Got it. Do we get it? It's no Projo, but it's nice. pretty good. Nice. Uh, it took me a few chapters to realize that myself. But <laughs> you think it's going to be a squash match? I mean, this I'm looking at this. Oh, it's we're watching a 1995 Raw. I mean, yeah. these guys are just going to get squashed like bugs. But no, it's it's very it's pretty 50 50. I would say, like you said. It's two fifty fifty. Like the the action is great, but my takeaway, like as I look at my notes, it was like, yeah, good match, but these guys got way too much offense. Like I I have no problem with them having a a, a short period of offense, but as this match goes on and on, 
Like it is to your point, 50, 50 back and forth. And like, I don't need to see Chuck Mambo getting near falls on Tommy end. Like what hope spot, one roll up two count Tommy end hit him with the jumping knee. And you know, it, it, which it, it's fine. Again, it's indie shows. You want to give everybody great matches. You know, you don't want to do squash mm-hmm. matches, but it just, I am a big proponent of when you have a match that looks and feels like there's a big imbalance between where the guys are at. Let's go with that. Let's not try to make it back and forth like every other match on the show. Yeah. I also added that the tag division in progress at this point is very thin. Okay. Uh, as we can kind of tell by the tag team title matches later. But um, so I could see this as a way of them building up that division by adding another credible team and sweet Jesus. Um, which P- Pastor William Eve Ever specifically is super over with the crowd. Chuck yeah. Mambo's pretty over as well. So they're like inexplicably like beloved by the crowd. So I can see, you know, giving them some offense in, building up their credibility to maybe one day uh maybe potentially challenge for the titles. I don't know if they ever win the tag team titles or not. I try to stay in the dark in terms of that kind of stuff. But uh I mean to your to your point though, that that it is true that you know, you look at these guys, you look at you know some of the other guys we already talked about. Um to me, Eddie Dennis is another one, a wild boar that we see later that mm-hmm. if you're just dropping in and you see these guys wrestle, you have no idea why they're as over as they are, but yeah. they are with these 700 people in the audience. So, you know, who am I to say as someone dropping in that these guys shouldn't be getting offense when the crowd likes it, the crowd wants them to. And so, you know, you're booking to your crowd. You're not booking to someone watching seven years later for a podcast. Yeah. My, one of my favorite spots. So they're, they're, uh, they're working over the leg of Tommy end. He's able to kick his way free and make the tag to Dante. Dante runs wild, huge boot to the face of the pastor. The pastor fights back. He comes off the top with a cross body and gets a zero count. One of yes. my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite spots of the match is not even a one count. I, I popped huge for that. And that's Always. absolutely what should happen to what we said earlier. <laughs> These guys getting a zero count on Tommy end spot of the show. Yeah, and I would say the major like significant spots were to the favor of Sumerian Death Squad. Like, there's one point where Michael Dante does a hip toss on one of the guys, and then Tommy N does a roundhouse kick while the guy's upside down. Um, just really good cohesion between those between both teams. Really, um, there's one like spot where the Death Squad they basically bounce William Ever off the rope, make him do a backflip and face plant onto the mat. Um, good combinations by sweet Jesus too, like insecurity, you know, clothesline kind of just one after the other kind of stuff. It's like they've been teaming for forever. I don't know if they had teams before this and other shows or not, but they, it felt like they had, uh, we get a clothesline from heaven from <laughs> yes. Jesus, Very of cute. course. Yes. And, <laughs> and Tommy N did a full flip for it. So yeah, I think that's where I got it's mad. From heaven. I, I, and I, I appreciate the fact that he was doing that, but I'm like, no, I don't want to see Tommy and take a full flip up for a clothesline. Are you for telling the me if Jesus clotheslined you, you wouldn't go inside out? I mean, How I guess it, it depends on what was going to. When I saw the white light, if he was going to be able to tell me that I was going to be going to the good place and not the bad place, I probably would have taken a bump over the top rope for that. Yeah, would you say you didn't? You couldn't, William Eve, in that. <laughs> <laughs> yes i uh pause for laughter there you go uh, <laughs> i feel like I, I would have had to go back to the pro joe and learn learn a little bit more. yeah yeah so, so i i had some qualms with the finish here where uh so pastor gets cut off going for a superplex okay dante has him held for uh so dante has him held for for knees from tommy and then dante 
power bombs the pastor onto the knees of Tommy End, and this was mm-hmm. not the finish. I was uh, I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, how is that? I, I I thought that that was it, and that was a bridge too far. I agree. that yeah, that should have been the spot because then they followed up with the suplex. Uh, by Tommy into the catch by Dante power slam for the pin. What you see from the the modern day Brody King, uh, yes, uh, Malachi Black finish, uh, which is which is fine, but it's tough to follow after watching I, the power bomb onto the knees of Tommy. I don't love that as a finish. I don't know maybe if they just haven't hit it clean in AW, but every time and it, it was kind of the same here. It's that. I forget what they call it. The Kings of the Black Throne. I forget what their finisher is called, but it's like, like you said, the suplex throw into a power slam, which, by the way, here it's called Black Mass, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like you said, it's very underwhelming after all the it's hard to finish. Seen. It's hard to follow up. Like when you have a spectacular move, then you, you go to that as a finish. That could be a totally fine, oh. good finish. I like it, but it you, it's hard when it's uh, the... Uh, the penultimate move to it is something more spectacular. Well, we could do a whole podcast about guys whose setup moves or teams whose setup moves are better and more devastating looking oh, yeah. than their finishers. Yes. I think to your point, though, about that that sort of suplex throw into the power slam finisher, at least from what I've seen, whether it be here, or like you said, the few times that uh, the uh, House of Black has done it on AEW, like for that move to look impactful, the power slam needs to be happening like, as the guy is coming toward you almost like it's all one motion, because if you're catching him and then there's a pause and then you're doing a power slam, essentially you're just doing a power slam. Mm -hmm. And that's not a finisher unless it's the early nineties and you're Davy boy Smith. Right. He at least gets a running start. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the Viking Raiders, their move, it's, it's like a way better version of this thing. He tosses the guy way up in the air and then it's like a, the impact of up, to down, you know, adds well, you th- to the impact. You think about even back in the day, Goldberg would do that press slam, drop to the shoulder, and yes. a power slam all in one motion, but it would be all in one motion. And in mm-hmm. some ways, as a as a bit of an aside, I always thought that looked more impressive than the jackhammer. Than the jackhammer, yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A little, little Braun Breaker does it, I believe, if you guys are NXT 2.0 fans. Yeah, who isn't? Exactly. <laughs> As we record this on a Tuesday night instead of yeah. <laughs> Tape machines are rolling, maybe. Yes, they are. <laughs> certainly. But uh yeah, so Sumerian Death Squad gets the win there. Yeah, my match of the night by a mile so far. Yeah. Yeah, well yeah, so far it's nothing <laughs> even close. Like this is this is like I said, we'd like to see a little bit less 50-50, but the action was awesome. We got to see peak Tommy End, so no complaints. Yeah. I mean, I was watching the match and I was like, you know, this match is good, but it could use some coat hangers. Uh, so I was really pleased when, I, when the next match happened. A, uh, it's a no disqualification match between Mark Haskins and Rampage Brown. Uh, so the backstory here, because maybe they didn't lay it out in commentary. Uh, so Haskins and Brown, they are former stable mates. They were in a faction called Screw Indie Wrestling. Uh, but basically there was a situation where uh, Rampage, he was given the option by Jim Smallman. Uh, you could either uh, have a match with Samoa. Yeah, you could have a match with Samoa Joe if you want. But in order for that to happen, you have to leave your faction. And the Rampage was like, oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, let's do that. So uh, Haskins was obviously disrespected by this. And um, so that's kind of led to the hostility. And then a few chapters ago, Rampage actually had a title match. Um, but earlier in the show, Haskins jumped him, injured his leg. And then uh, a few chapters after that, they had a match 
in which uh, Haskins got himself DQ'd by introducing a chair to the match. And um, and that's what's led. That's why this is no DQ. So you can't have that finish anymore. Um, so that's basically the backstory to this match and why it's happening. But um, yeah, man, this this match, it, it felt like a, just a scrappy fight, which I think for a street fight kind of match is kind of what you should be going for, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, I, and I was impressed by how much this felt like a fight, because I feel like a lot of times on indie shows, you'll have street fights and there'll be no rules, but it's mostly just guys doing all their moves and then maybe a few plunder spots here or there. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing drives me more crazy than when it's a it's the culmination of a feud. It's a street fight. And then what are we doing? We're doing headlocks and arm drags and indie standoff spots yep. for two minutes. And thankfully, this did start off violent and aggressive. Yeah, a lot of fighting on their knees, a lot of biting, hair pulling, stiff strikes. All the stuff that you want from this kind of match. Guys getting thrown through rows of chairs. We had uh, Haskins get thrown through five rows of chairs, which begs the question is for each match on the card that you move up. Can you knock out an additional row of chairs? You know, you might be joking on that, but that sounds like a thing they would do. Like, how many rows can you get through? (laughs) (laughs) You get in big trouble if you uh, if you do four instead of five. Ah, the good yes. thing is, uh, you know, these chairs get messed up, but uh, everyone at indie shows are always so accommodating for where <laughs> their seats are that I'm sure there's no issues when everyone sets their chairs back up no and issues. everyone's right back in the same spots that they were before. Yeah. <laughs> he says, tongue <laughs> Well, hopefully at this show, at least, it wasn't double sold tickets like the old Ring of Honor. I think, days. yeah. Oh, my God. Talk Chicago. about being able to do other podcasts, early Ring of Honor shows and, and buying a ticket and then finding out that three other parties also have the same four tickets that you have. I'll get you guys on one of my Ring of Honor shows one day and we'll definitely dive into that. Oh yeah, no, have some stories for sure. Yeah, because I, I was watching these chair spots getting whipped into the chairs and I'm thinking about the barricade spots from early Ring of Honor when oh, they would God. just, every match just this barricade just get ripped out. Fun barricade um, story, I broke a bone in my hand. I broke a bone in my hand in suburban Milwaukee at a ring of honor show. Second match. I was second row. I was so excited that the person in front of me had vacated their seat. I'm like, I'm going to bang a barricade. And then I did. <laughs> and I felt a pop. Oh boy. Fun so, barricade story. That's, that's never a good ending. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. It's never as fun as it sounds. Oh, yeah. so, so this is the match where I, in my notes, I call out that the commentary is making me mad because here, uh, after, uh, after Haskins gets sent into the fourth row of chairs, Brown then hits him with a hard chair shot to the back and the commentary gets into full reporting mode uh, and and basically says ludicrous shot to the back with the chair. He says in a matter of fact description. It was uh, very uh, where you know the crowd is is like like shocked at the sounds of this, the the impact of this chair. Just mm. matter of fact reporting. Now, they, when we're talking about crowd and sounds in this match, can someone please explain to me? why every time Mark Haskins is on offense, the crowd proceeds to make the most annoying sound in the world for the entire match. (laughs) They're just like, "Eh." it's just, it just goes on and on. Like I, I was watching with my earbuds in like I usually do. And then I had to Mm. take them out for the rest of the match because I just, it was too intense. Yeah. 
this is when they they went from sober to buzzing like a bumblebee in this match. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess there's chanting hat. They, they they drag out the hat for literally three minutes at a time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, chair shots all throughout this match. Uh, Rampage goes for one off the second rope, but uh, or I'm sorry, Rampage go, go, goes for it off the second rope, but Haskins punches the chair into Rampage's face. Uh, so we get a spot. So Rampage falls into a tree of woe on the outside, so like on the apron area, so that uh, Haskins can, I guess, drop kick the chair into his face. It looked a little wonky, but it looked very contrived. Like it was one of those things that I'm sure sounded cool in his head, but it. Anytime you have a chair shot assist or a chair assisted move that requires that much cooperation from the guy that's getting yeah. it, never looks great. No, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Haskins sets up a chair in the corner in between the second and third rope. Uh, but lo and behold, he ends up running right into it uh, after Rampage reverses um, and then gets decapitated with a clothesline from Rampage. Uh, Haskins eventually fights back. He locks in a, uh, I don't know what you call it, but it's like a flipping arm bar. Tommaso Ciampa used to do it when he like flips over his guy. So he's like it's facing almost, the opposite way. Almost like a, I wrote this down in my notes, uh, like a perpendicular one armed cattle mutilation. There we go. That sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. It, Haskins that probably made throws... it sound more confusing though when you said that. <laughs> it's in my brain and in my notes. So I had to get it out. Yeah, on this on this offensive flurry here, he throws some huge kicks, like just a great mm-hmm. kicks by Haskins. I was I was impressed. Haskins yeah. is also one of those guys that when you see him in a match like this, he wrestles bigger than he is. Yeah, and so it's you know you watch this match and it's him and Rampage Brown, Rampage big intimidating guy, and you're like, oh, I don't know how this is going to work visually, and then you're halfway through the match and you're not even seeing that difference at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was also just as an aside really impressed by Rampage Brown here. I had not seen a whole lot of them i had heard a lot about him and i remember there being a a time period where new japan had been taking a look at him and it sounded like he was going to be coming in he obviously went a different direction but i thought he looked awesome in this match yeah rampage is great for sure especially because yeah like you i wasn't too familiar with him until i started watching all these progress shows and he's he's won me over for sure um just just a no-nonsense heavyweight he just does everything well Again, it stands out on a show with a lot of guys that are doing that cruiserweight style. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe my favorite part of this match. So there's a table set up in the corner. Oh, God. <laughs> this table, when I saw this table, I immediately was like, this is going to be a problem. Yeah, this is not a Mattel table that's pre-cut to, uh, to fall in the middle. No, no, it this, is, no. this table would make the, table. the tables of Japan blush. Uh, <laughs> yes, this was, this was a supersized version of a Japanese table, or this was like one of those, you know, timekeepers or announcers tables from the late 70s, early 80s on shows where guys would get kind of haphazardly thrown into and there was no way that it was ever going to break here. For some reason, that's what they were using in 2015. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's... So Rampage is the table set up in the corner. Rampage power bombs Mark Haskins into this table. The table doesn't budge an inch. Mind you, this is Rampage Brown, who is a strong fella, to say the least. Mark Haskins, who is not a small man himself. So you have all of this weight and momentum going towards the table. Yeah, it's a running start. This isn't just a standing power bomb. He's trying to running like awesome bomb him through the table. So yeah. Yeah. Um, But then he does it again because he has to break the table. You can't just not break the table. Uh, so he does it again, and the table kind of breaks, I guess, enough to satisfy the crowd. It breaks high. It doesn't break in yeah. the middle. And yeah, the, it did not look pleasant at the, all. The, the imagery of Rampage hits that second powerbomb, 
and then he him, him looking lovingly at <laughs> yes. the table. He's like I laying like, on the ground looking at it. It was great camera work. This show, particularly early on in this show, I had some issues with the uh, kind of the production of it, but that was a that was a major league wrestling. I'm not talking MLW, like that was a major league wrestling uh camera shot they got there. Absolutely. Um but yeah, so Rampage, he uh, he comes off the second rope for something, but Haskins throws a chair at him. Wait, first of all, you face. know he kicked out of that table spot. Yeah, that which, made me angry. I mean, <laughs> it did. I'm like, I'm like, sometimes indie wrestling is annoying this way. Well, the thing is, Rampage was looking at the table lovingly for too long. I mean, he just got distracted. So that gave Haskins this storytelling elements in there. He, he was admiring fun. his work. Jim Ross exactly. would have been so angry by his lack of uh, immediate <laughs> oh, follow up. <laughs> That's another podcast. That's another podcast. Jim Ross also on commentary would have talked about how that didn't make sense. (laughs) Oh, wow. Why is there a table under the ring? We're we're just keeping tables under the ring now? Shut up, JR. I always love when, when, when modern day JR decides to do a wrestling critique podcast live on the air of the broadcast that he's doing. Dude, that's, he commentates like a podcast. Yes, he does. He is, I guess nowadays, but, um, but JR is not here, but you know who is here? Haskins, and you know what he has? Some coat hangers. and uh, <laughs> Fulfilling your dreams and wishes from a few minutes ago. <laughs> oh, thank God. What are the odds? Because um, Haskins, he pulls out like a bag, and I'm like, oh, is it thumbtacks? Is it Legos? Or what? what is it? Uh, but it's coat hangers, so I'm like, okay, this is, I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I had no idea what's going to happen next. Um, so Haskins takes the coat hanger and uh, fish hooks Rampage with it. Uh, blood's pouring out of Rampage's mouth. I mean, not pouring. It's dripping at a relative rate. Um, but then Haskins, as if that's not enough. Uh, so Rampage is bleeding from the mouth. Haskins goes back under the ring, pulls out a, a can of salt, and uh, pours a big pile of it in his hand, and then throws the salt into Rampage's mouth. Literally rubbing salt on the wounds of the man. A literal pouring mm. salt in the wounds of Rampage. Yes. Loved Hold it. on. Uh, Hold on. Let me get this. Fuck. It's not playing. That was a drum. There it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was worth, it was worth the wait. Timing. Worth it. Worth it. Well, we're talking about an indie show, too, so the timing doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> just bake um, that in. Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know. Live in progress with the gimmick. Um, this is progress. I'm chanting. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, regardless of the salt and the wound, uh, Rampage is able to uh, hit a Samoan drop onto Haskins, followed by a, a pile driver. In which, so Rampage has him up for the pile driver. There's a chair in front of him, so he's trying to jump forward onto the chair but i kind of misses yeah it looked fine enough i mean it's a pile driver a jumping pile driver so it's devastating yeah. enough it's a believable finish exactly that's that's totally fine um i i was uh i was amused by the fact that to me this salt was like the modern day modern day garbage wrestling brit rest version of the macho man randy savage reviving elbow drop in that this this mm. salt not only was it salt in the wounds but it woke rampage up he did not take another move after having salt rubbed in his wounds he hit two no. moves and got the win yeah that's the opposite of kryptonite yeah for him yeah no this is a, this was a fun fight and uh it was a different style than anything else we've seen on the show this was uh this was great and we loved uh you know i i felt like it was a you know, you probably could have shaved a few minutes off of this uh, felt it, it went pretty long. Um, mm-hmm. And so some of the, the later stuff felt a little rushed, but uh, 
this this was still uh, fun fun for uh, for what it was. I believe they hated each other, and that's the number one thing in street fight. So mission accomplished there. Exactly. It felt like they were fighting each other, not having a match with yes. weapons. Basically. Exactly. And particularly on a show like this, where I think somewhat because of the crowd and just also because of the style, so much of this felt like like uh, like a wrestling show exhibition, almost bordering on sometimes like self-parody. And not that the action wasn't good, but just the way the crowd responses were. A lot of times it was hard to really slip in and feel invested, whereas yeah. I did feel invested in this and I had not seen anything of this feud up until then. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then this basically where intermission happens and, uh, Jim Smallman, he announces the super strong style 16 tournament, which is a, uh, annual tournament that progress does still to this day, I believe. Um, in this first tournament, the winner will get a progress championship match. Uh, you guys familiar with this tournament at all? So flat, this is the one that flash Morgan Webster won to get his title shot. Is that so that's a different tournament. Ah. I'm realizing now they do a lot of of tournaments here. (laughs) Got it. So this was sort of their version of kind of like a, a 24 carat or, you know, doing Ebola, basically their, you know, their TPI, their version of the big annual tournament to bring in guys from outside of the company, get some people traveling in to watch the show that weren't local, that sort of Mm -hmm. deal. It seems like a carbon copy of the 16 carat to me, but I've never seen it, but that's, my impression of what it is. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, they bring in like a, a Champa. They bring in um, uh, who else? I, I looked at the car the other night. The Walter comes in. Some yeah, some guys that from from, like you said, other countries get flown in and uh, it's a little international flair to it. So looking forward to watching that. But it's basically announced on this chapter. I bet I, I will guarantee you, actually, that that uh, any of the matches on that show are probably better than the match we're about to see. Here we next. go. Tag team right. championship. <laughs> this Let's is talk about it. Tag team championship. And Jeremy, I feel like we've de- we've really uh we've decried the tag team division in certain eras of certain promotions we've watched on our podcast. Uh I think of uh an episode, I think earlier this season on Wrestling at Random, where we it was uh, 95 or 96 Survivor series. And uh, or SummerSlam, remember the tag division? It was 96 had, like, SummerSlam. Yeah, it that had was the a... body Donnas as faces. It had the smoking guns as heels. The Godwins. The Godwins. There was one other <laughs> oh. team. There were the, the new rockers. The new rockers. Of, <laughs> of a bleach blonde Bob Holly and Leaf Cassidy. Uh, Al Snow. Um, I thought that was a rough tag team division. That was a rough uh, scene for the tag team titles. Here... With the faceless and their opponents, uh, Wild Boar and Eddie Dennis, I felt like I was back on that SummerSlam <laughs> show. I was looking for a Body Donna's run in. So let's talk about the faceless first. Now, can we not? Yeah, do we have to? Are we contractually obligated to? I got excited, Adam. I got excited when I heard that the team was called the faceless and and they were gonna come out all creepy. I'm like, oh, you know what this is? Like, I'm getting. I'm getting real all Japan Blackhearts vibes. Yes, Blackhearts. I also, when they came out, I, this, this reminded me of Starcade 90 when the Black Scorpion was introduced. I swear and like, to God, the, I was going to bring that the, up. The yes. 10 other Black Scorpions came down the ring as the UFO defended, uh, descended from the ceiling. Um, yeah, but that, I that watched was that match it. recently. I watched that match because uh, shout out to the Fretzel Mania podcast. He had me on his show to cover Starcade 1990. And uh, I will never forgive him for it because, like you said, <laughs> the main event was, uh, and I'm comparing this to this match because so we had the Faceless versus Eddie Dennis and Wild Boar for the Progress titles. And the reason I compare it to that match 
or that show is because that show is headlined by Sting versus the Black Scorpion, who was is a, a figure. He just had black sweater, black mask, black clothes. He was a mysterious man. Nobody knew his identity. And I, I was watching that Starcade match and I was like, why is this match so awful? And it's because Ric Flair, who was the Black Scorpion, spoiler alert, uh, couldn't do any of his Ric Flair things. <laughs> yep. He couldn't do any of his moves. He couldn't do any of his mannerisms. In fact, he had to actively keep him inside. So what resulted was him not doing anything. And what resulted was if Ric Flair had been forced to train at the WWE Performance Center, if it existed (laughs) back in the day, that would have been the end product. (laughs) That wrestler. Very much. Very much so. But that's kind of what we got here with the with faceless number one and faceless number two, accompanied by faceless number three. Don't forget oh, faceless number three. How can I they, forget? They wear masks that feature faces on them. <laughs> the, this, the, this is where they went wrong. This is where they, they should have followed the black cards. Most faces. Well, they should have gone full uh, Super Invader style and just worn a red sock. Just a sock <laughs> on their face. Yes, they had yeah. faces. So here we they go. also were. Well, they were both masked, the two, the, the faceless one and two that were in the match. They're both wearing masks. They're both wearing the cargo pants and the black shirt. You can tell them apart. They do have different physiques. Mm-hmm. Do <laughs> you guys know who they were? No. So one was Danny Garnell, who you may not know. He's kind of an obscure no. was British. Was the smaller one? Wrestler. The smaller guy? No. He was, he was the bigger lad. The bigger. Okay. Uh, the other one was Legero. Really? Mm. I believe, actually, because yeah. I've heard Legero was a part of this, and he, you go back and look at it, his physique is very Legero esque And he was not terrible, uh, comparatively, in this match. Well, the thing of it, neither of them are terrible, but they can't do their moves that they do. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they can't do anything. They can, all they yeah. can do is punch and headlock, and that's pretty much what this match was, a lot of it. Oh. Um, yeah. You know, outside of the what's-your-safe-word chant at uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was now, still... so I. <laughs> My whole thing with this, uh, and we talked about a little bit earlier, anything else we can say about this match is eclipsed by the journey that I went on in my mind when I saw the faceless come out with those shields that the two like jigsaw puzzle type of shields that are combined to be one shield. And I was so like it's the yin and yang like necklace that my daughter would have with her best friend and they can put it together. Yes, (laughs) like That's that's what the shield is. I was so much more okay with that being part of this horribly lame faceless act. But when it was revealed on commentary towards the end of this match, that that was in fact the tag team championship of the progress world. I, I I need an explanation from Jim Smallman or someone as to why they thought that was a good idea. <laughs> it's it's cool for that first because like the first champions were Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews. So it's cool for that first shot. You know, they put them together, like you said, obviously. But it's like now every champion thus thereafter just needs to carry these two halves of shields like ass. Like you said, get to carry it through the airport and put them in their <laughs> luggage. It's a cool tournament trophy. Like if they did an yes. annual tag team tournament and that was what you got for winning. Coolest yeah. freaking trophies ever. So Eddie Dennis, speaking of coolest things ever, comes out to Andrew WK's Party Hard. Great Hi. theme Hi. choice. <laughs> Thumbs up, Eddie Dennis. Fashion corner, by the way, or at least uh, visual <laughs> appearance corner on Wild Boar and Eddie Dennis. Sure. I feel like if you melted them down and then reconstituted them, they would be one normal size wrestler. But Eddie <laughs> Dennis is like... Six foot 11 and 130 pounds. And then Wild Boar 
is like four foot three and is the size of Rhino. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you're creating a wrestler and you're like having fun with all the yes. extremes. Yeah, the slider going up and down. I'm going to just watch the guy get elongated. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so yeah, Eddie Dennis, Wild, Eddie Dennis and Wild Boar. I'm a fan of both those guys. But a lot, most of this match is pretty much just the faceless ganging up on Boar and Dennis because uh, you have the third faceless out there getting involved a little bit. And he um, plays into the finish. But before we get there, Eddie Dennis... Because while Boar is getting beat on most of this match, he's a smaller guy. Oh, yeah. We, you would say, Adam, I, I had in my notes here, uh, I was starting to feel like AWA 87's review where Marty Jannetty. Yes. Uh, they, they got the heat on Marty Jannetty for what might still be going on in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, just kept teasing the hot tag. And, and yes, with each uh, time they cut it off, there is less and less and less and less interest. Yeah. No, I, I definitely had vibes of that as well. At that point, it's just a tag. The faceless get no reaction from the people either. The people are not into this act. The, they're no. annoyed at the faceless at best. Right. When you think about like just show just like the flow of this show, what they've already seen. Most recently, they just saw that wild, awesome street fight. And then now they're seeing this. It's just uh, it's an odd, odd place to put it. Got to have a cool down match, brother. Yeah, you're, it works. It's, works. If your if tag team championships are the cool down <laughs> match, then there's a problem with your tag team division. But yeah, far be it from me. That's fair. That's fair. But uh, Eddie Dennis, he gets the not maybe not hot tag. He gets a tag, uh, <laughs> destroys everybody, does a crazy like double. So he has one of the faceless in a fallaway slam position. He has the other one in, in a Samoan drop position. That was, was like a double cool. move. Yeah. That was very impressive. Eddie and, Dennis, yes, I did not think that Eddie Dennis was going to pull off a power move like he's that. He's a very strong dude. Like you see like, a lot of his NXT UK matches, he'll do things it's like, God, what? Because he's like eight, eight feet tall, but he's yeah. also 100 pounds. So it's like <laughs> you don't think he's going to be able to pick up a guy that big. But um, but ultimately, the uh, faceless number three gets involved, hits Wild Boar in the face with one half of the progress shield. Um, and then the faceless in the ring hit a double stomp backpack stunner combination. I'm sorry. This move is not okay. This is lame. They What's the tried, problem with it? I just, it, it's one of those moves where it's like the double stop is not doing anything to make the backpack stunner any worse than it would have been. I, it just, and maybe I think probably what took me out of it more was that they tried it 30 seconds they missed earlier, it earlier and yeah. it fell apart in spectacular mm. fashion. They go for this like a yeah. backpack something and then the faceless guy and I think it was Wild Boar just awkwardly tumbled to the mat. No, and Wild Boar, fought, he fought out. Wild Boar fought no, out. No, because Jim Smallman. I'm not on that camera. That, you don't see I my did. eyes rolling, yeah. back, <laughs> rolling back into my head here. Do my best Byron Saxton impression <laughs> over here. Yeah, yeah. Because the this was. Yeah, the announcer called it a backpack stunner. because I And I'm like, no, they just fell down. I did not even like, I'm like, that's that can't possibly be a backpack stunner. And then I saw him yeah. do it for real here in a minute. Yeah, you need much more creative uh, camera work and camera switching as a company if you're going to be able to call that uh, an actually oh, yeah. uh, fully executed move. And then I, my radar always went up for what it does whenever there's a botched move like this is I'm always like, don't go back and do it again. Don't go back and do it again. Just try something else. And they went back and did it again. So that probably is a bit of my, my dislike of this finisher. Yeah, yeah. As unfair sure. as it probably is. No, that, that's fair. I mean, I wouldn't like to get stomped. 
I don't know what it adds to the stunner, but you know, it, <laughs> true. It, Fair it enough. The stop is the stop is a move that is hurting you, separate from the stunner. So the backpack stunner is already a weak looking move. That's that's also <laughs> part of the problem. I'm not sold on it. No. Well, I'll have someone give it to you and report back your findings. <laughs> I think I get out of a solid two point eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I traded the Projo enough to really right. build up my uh, my ability to take punishment, I think I'd kick out at two point eight, two point nine. Yeah. So, 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 so we've cooled down with your tag team title match, and now mm-hmm. what do we transition to? <laughs> God, I've never gotten so mad at a PowerPoint slide in my life. So we got uh, Flash Morgan Webster, the uh, the winner of the Natural Progression series. Versus Bubblegum. <sighs> now, we don't need to talk much about Bubblegum. I mean, <laughs> no, I, we I, do. Uh, we, we need to talk really? a lot about We're gonna it. Do a deep, First, we're going to do a deep dive here. First, Bubblegum <laughs> looks as if you had, in a video game, combined Drake Younger and Kyle O'Reilly, but given them given him no talent, but thankfully also not some really questionable beliefs. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although maybe, who knows? I don't know. He... It definitely, you definitely had like a uh, uh, jacked referee trying to be a wrestler vibes. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can see that. Like, he also was like two or three different characters in one. Like, we talk about wrestling style, in ring style. He's doing the India, you know, I talked about it again, you know, the step up in Zagiri in the corner, the same top rope moves, everything. But then he's also trying to be this really sleazy, offensive heel. And those two things don't work well together at all. If if you're if you wanted to play a drinking game, uh, watching this match, take a drink every time Bubblegum sticks his hand in his tights and sniffs it. Yeah, oh, I, <laughs> I like drinking and all, but not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about it too is, and I say the best, I mean the worst. He's one of those guys that like it's clear that the act doesn't work, but he is one hundred and ten percent convinced. That he's, oh, he's the most committed. over thing, and he's going to oh, be in the big time next week for sure. That this, he, if the right person sees this, it's going to be. You guys don't get it, but it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> you, when yeah. you're Gabe the one sees that's it wrong, and tells awesome. Hunter, you're going to be main eventing NXT. Just yeah. wait. He's very, yeah. He's very. He's a few steps away from Grayson Waller. It's like if you took Grayson Waller and you put Fred Durst's face on him. That, that's basically <laughs> what you would get here. Um, but Bubblegum. I mean, he comes out, he's wearing, I think it's a Manchester City jersey he's wearing. I could be wrong on that. Um, soccer, for anybody who's unaware. And uh, he comes out, he keeps lifting up his shirt to show his abs. He keeps reaching in his trunks, rubbing his balls, pulling out two fingers, which I believe is the middle finger over there. Um, and it doing all that. feels so much less entertaining than the way you're even describing it. Like when he's yeah. doing it, it feels as though somebody's pushing a button on a video game remote <laughs> controller and yeah. then he's executing the taunt. Like there, there's no, just don't buy it. There's no reason for it. I no. mean, it's just no. like he's just no. doing it over and over again. <laughs> um, and then he's here. He's facing Flash Morgan Webster. And ultimately, I mean, both these guys are super talented in the ring. I mean, they're both cruiserweight style guys. It's very fast paced. Um, you can Flash argue Morgan kind of- Webster is talented. <laughs> We will end it there. <laughs> He's the talented guy. I'll say Let's this. Not... Bubblegum seems like an athletic fellow, yes. but I am okay sure. if I never see him again. Yes, 100%. no, there's he has talent. He's one of those guys that there's talent there, but he has no idea how to put it together into being a, like a coherent wrestler yeah. that like the matches actually work. But I thought Flash Morgan Webster looked 
awesome in this match. Like, I think he did as far as the athletic wrestlers we've seen on this show to this point, he is Mm -hmm. far and away the best of those guys. And let me make one more point. You know, uh, he comes out to in the city by the jam. Another solid choice of a theme song, especially for his uh, full on mod character. I'm in like this. I'm a a big fan of uh, Flash Morgan Webster. Not only the entrance music, but then we get, I would say, probably the best crowd sing along chant of the entire show with the Flash Flash will tear you apart. Um, I'm not going to try to sing because that would not be good for anybody, but that was great. Obviously, riffing off of the love will tell you, uh, tear you apart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, like every time Bubblegum, he'll do something impressive. Like Flash, at one point, he went for a poison Rana, but Bubblegum tried to counter it, but he had to like walk backwards. It took a lot of core strength and balance to like make him not fall over like the backpack stunner from the last match. Yeah. Um, and then Bubblegum hits a one-winged angel for a two-count, which is just bizarre to see. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, was kind of <laughs> weird for sure. A two-count, and again, to your point, Jeremy, earlier, no, like that was not sold as a big near fall uh, from uh, uh, from Smallman on commentary. And even if, let's say Kenny Omega wasn't using that move at that point, or let's say it wasn't an established finisher, that is still such a visually impressive move that I would like to hear an announcer at least, I don't know, make it seem more than it's a side headlock takeover. Yeah, no, no I'm uh, with you. Flesh Morgan Webster wills this crowd into this match because yes. uh, they are not into it, and until he uh, starts to, he just he just puts. I'm gonna carry this match, and I'm gonna get them into this match, and he did, and and this was uh, uh, th- this was great uh, towards the finish here. And he's perpetual yeah. motion throughout. I mean, how about that? Uh, that slingshot, the Pescado into the Rana on the floor, super impressive. And that was maybe a minute oh, yeah. or two into the match. I mean, to this day, Flash Martin Webster, he's silky smooth, um, has some of the best strikes in wrestling, in my opinion, and just his combination with all his high-flying offense. I mean, he's, he's a pleasure to watch all the time. Which, well, and, 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 and the point about the strikes is key because a lot of times guys that are great high flyers, that's sure. one of the major weaknesses, you know? Yeah. You take a guy like Dante Martin as incredible of a high flyer as he is. And he continues to improve. He's super young. You know, the strikes are a significant weak point and definitely not here with Webster. And when you got a guy who can connect with the crowd, like not just mm-hmm. do cool moves, but like yes. that, like that you can, you, you can see that uh, he's got that crowd connection. And that's, that's that it factor that, uh, that he's got for sure. Well, and it, it also bodes well then later in your career, you can pull back on that stuff. You know, as you yep. get older, injuries start to take hold. Yeah. You're not going to have to be dependent on that to be able to still have that connection, get reactions, which you can't say the same for a lot of guys that uh, that wrestle a similar style. Yeah. Um, but in this, in this match, ultimately, uh, Flash, so Bubblegum is on the top rope. Flash runs up the ropes, hits a crazy Hurricane Rana. I thought he was going to break his neck, but he, sums, he somehow pulls it off uh, and follows it up with a 450 splash further win just a really impressive finish because you have doing the rana in one corner bubblegum goes flying flash goes to the opposite corner does the 450 it just looked really good and to your point about smoothness that 450 was as oh, perfectly executed perfect. as you'll see oh yeah for sure which uh to you know at uh a thing we haven't pointed out yet is progress ha- looks like they have actual ropes 
and yes. not the uh, cables mm. uh, like uh, uh, most uh, modern wrestling does today. Uh, Definitely uh, more they, of a WWF style rope uh, rope situation combined with a very small ring. We should mention. Yes. Yeah. But oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So so doing these uh, high flying moves off of uh, actual ropes instead of the the cables very impressive. Absolutely. Um, all right. So we're done with bubblegum forever. Hopefully. <laughs> Good riddance, bubblegum. <laughs> so now we can talk about Jimmy Havoc. Um, uh, what is laughing? this video promo? This well, first of all, first of all, I thought it was really well done. Like for an indie show, like this is a mm-hmm. this is high production here. The um, cinematography was great. Yeah, like the, I the, need the execution some... was was solid. Like I was impressed for an indie show. I need a warning though when I'm going to see a man <laughs> eat either a real or fake heart. I need someone to tell me that's coming because I did not need that. Oh, you got to surprise people with that sometimes. I mean, last the last chapter, the show opened with a similar kind of vignette here. But Jimmy Havoc uh, stabbed a man to death. Uh, Blood was splattering. Um, That's how we opened the show. Uh, Chapter 17. Now, chapter 18, we have him here in a similar kind of vignette. He's cutting a promo. He has uh, like a white something on his blood all over it. I even forget what happened. I just the only thing I remember is him at the end. He had a plate of some meat, eating it with a fork, and it really disturbed me to my core. So <laughs> yeah, it was basically like flashing back and forth between like him doing really disturbing things, eating organs, and then him looking kind of a bit more normal, like at this kind of dinner tabley type thing. And those, in a weird way, to your point, those shots were almost more disturbing. Than the really over the top, yeah. uh, disturbing shot. Yeah, it's real. Uh, uh, the movie like American Psycho. That's the kind of vibe you were getting. I think that's what they were going for. Yeah, and for sure. I will defer to both of you guys because as Jeremy knows, movies <laughs> not my strong point. <laughs> um, but then that leads us into the main event. Uh, the Progress Championship is on the line. We mentioned it earlier. Jimmy Havoc is defending it in a uh, six-man elimination match. Against Dave Mastiff, Paul Robinson, Marty Skrull, Noam Dar, and Will Ospreay. Six-man elimination. I'm very glad that that's what this was. I always Me get too. worried. I, I hate the idea of the uh, the champion being able to lose without ever having been pinned yes. in a match or, or you know directly losing. Uh, so excited about that. And the story seems to be here that uh, it's not quite four on two, but it is two in the sense that Jimmy Havoc and Paul Robinson are aligned. Yes. So um, like I mentioned in the beginning, all like Marty Skrull, I guess Marty Skrull has, but Noam Dar, Will Ospreay, Dave Mastiff, they've all had their shots at the progress title, but were cheated out in some sort of way. Uh, Marty Skrull is there who's just transitioned to the villain very recently. So he's he's red hot at this point. Um, And then you got Jimmy Havoc and Paul Robinson who represent the regression faction. Get it because it's progress, regression, uh, it's opposite. It's so fun. disappointed we didn't get any this is regress chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't like them, you see. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, and it used to be a faction of four, um, but two of them were kicked out of the faction, which we'll touch on later, which might, might not have meant anything to you guys, but I'll explain when we yeah, get Yeah, I there. definitely did not, uh, did not get that at all. One thing I do want to mention before we get too deep into this, because we're talking about Will Ospreay. Yes, good, I've got thoughts. This yeah. is not physically 
the Will Ospreay that you know now, even the Will Ospreay that you know from three or four years ago when he was a top junior heavyweight, he had talked about before how up until a couple of years ago, he had never lifted a weight in his life. And seeing this, I believe the man. He, <laughs> yeah. uh, facially, he looks he looks younger, but body-wise, it's... Uh, I mean, he looks like a smaller Eddie Dennis body-wise. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely nuts how much he has bulked up today. He's added so much muscle uh, in present day that it's it was jar- like you've see- it's been a slow progression of him adding this muscle over yeah. the years that like going back to this 2015 here it's jarring to see how thin he is in this match wow. well and again even compared to how he looks when he first came into new japan like sure. you go back and watch those matches and you're like man he's put on so much size now compared to then but then when you see like we just saw him jeremy and i just saw him live at a warrior wrestling show uh, mm. about a month and a half ago and so you're seeing him on that show like i think that was against blake christian and trey miguel And he was so much bigger than those guys, even though they all wrestle a similar style. So then seeing him here so tiny was just uh, it was I was not fully prepared for that. One other one other point I want to make about Osprey before we get into the rest of the the folks is um, Will Osprey. you, You mentioned, Adam, that we saw him live. He is a wrestler that you have to see live. Some of the stuff that he does and the way he wrestles, uh, it doesn't translate as well to television because you're, you're watching him on television. You're like, wow, this guy's pretty, he's incredible. One of the best wrestlers in the world uh, in 2022, you see him live. It's a different, it's a different level altogether. Mm -hmm. And it's a different experience. We, we first noticed it when uh, Adam and I went to a ring of honor, new Japan show at uh, uh, the Odium in Villa park. We saw uh, Osprey wrestle. It was uh, flip Gordon in 2018. Yeah, so we saw that match, and we were that was the first that we were sitting like second row for that, and we were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, wow, it's it, like we really noticed the live Osprey presentation as mm-hmm. as just special, and then you see it uh, today even even more so. Just if you get a chance to see him live, go out of your way to see a Will Osprey in person. Yeah, awesome. and, and just very quickly to that point, it's. I almost can't think of anyone else in in recent times where it's been that way, where he will be on a card with a lot of other very good wrestlers who are considered the top wrestlers or near top wrestlers in that same sort of fast paced, high flying, hard hitting style. And then you see him out there with him and you're like, my God, this guy is at a completely different level. Um, It's, it's something to see. I mean, like that flat, that uh, flip Gordon match, that was when flip Gordon was getting all the buzz, all the hype. And then you saw him and it's like, yeah, he's pretty good. But my God, he's nowhere near this level. Right. Yeah. And even even back then in 2015, we're looking at this match. There's six people involved. But the spotlight is really on Jimmy Havoc and Will Ospreay. Yes. Those are the two guys that are the the headline of this match, so to speak. And um, and Ospreay, I mean, physically, obviously, he's evolved. But it's just funny. You see him come out for his entrance. He's just such a white meat baby face. Oh, he's yeah. Running so happy. up on each of the corners. Come on, gang. And now he's yeah. out just 
He's, he has such a presence to him nowadays. Yeah. Now so. he's Conor McGregor. He was not Conor McGregor yeah. back then. That's a great way sure. to put it. But it is interesting in that we'll see, particularly towards the finish, a lot of the things that would that separate him from other guys that do the style, and I'm not just talking about athletically, but like intensity, facial expressions, all that yes. is still there here in 2015. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the match starts. We got six people in the ring. And it's uh, pretty much it splits onto four versus two down the middle of the ring. So you got Jimmy Havoc, Paul Robinson versus everybody else. And um, the match starts with Paul Robinson hitting a double low blow onto Marty and Noam as Jimmy. uh, Jimmy Havoc tries to do the same thing to Dave Mastiff, but Mastiff kind of blocks it. And then basically he chases Havoc around the ring. This is pretty much all hell breaks loose. At the uh, beginning of this match, everybody's fighting on the outside. I don't even know if anybody's fighting in the ring. Everybody's you know, more getting thrown into the rows of chairs. Yeah, more, we're getting uh, seven ch- seven rows deep of chairs at this point. Oh, yeah. In the match. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, you got you know, Marty Skrull. He has his umbrella. There's one spot where he just pokes Mastiff in the dick with it, which is fun. Uh, there's a point where Havoc, he uh, superplexes Will Ospreay to the outside onto everybody else that classic indie kind of spot that you typically see but it was fun and havoc takes all of that onto the floor uh yes everybody else catches uh catches osprey but havoc just goes full back bump off the top rope to the floor they know where the money is yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that looked uh that looked pretty rough i I did also like by the way one of the few times where uh, our announcer gives us a little bit of backstory that uh, Robinson and Will Ospreay used to be a team, and I love this tag team name, mm-hmm. the Swords of Essex. That is an awesome yes. name. Yeah, yeah, they were. I've I've only seen a little bit of them because uh, Paul Robinson would eventually uh, turn on Osprey, um, one of, in one of the first chapters. But um, yeah, Paul Robinson's another guy. He started out in the first couple chapters. He was another just baby face. Everybody loved him. He was playing to the crowd. Then he now he's just this slight. He's bald. This skinhead, this Dobby-looking character. He basically looks like uh, Chris Daniels Sito would be the best way to describe Chris him Daniels visually. Yeah. Uh, I also uh, isn't that the that spin kick that Will Osprey does with his opponent on the ground? Isn't that named after Paul Robinson? Doesn't he call that the Robinson Special, or used to call it that? I was wondering if that's what if that's who that was named after. I didn't I know if that's I don't know if it was him or Billy yeah. Robinson or somebody. That, that makes sense though. I never really thought about that. Um, Osprey's another guy. It's like every one of his moves has a yes. name. Yes. But uh, <laughs> it drives me insane. But uh, we get the first elimination here when uh, Paul Robinson hits Dave Mastiff with a low blow. And then Noam Dar comes in with a running kick to the face and eliminates Mastiff. This so, made uh, me violently angry on my couch. I, know. I desperately wanted this to come down to Mastiff yeah. and Osprey. And this was, uh, this was, this, I kind of had the same reaction to this, Jeremy, that I had again on our, uh, December to Dismember show we did this season when CM Punk and Rob Van Dam were the first two men eliminated from the Extreme Elimination Chamber. It just, I felt my hopes and dreams for this match, uh, just yeah. diminishing greatly. Well, Mastiff had just done an awesome release German suplex, sending yes. Havoc into the buckles. And I'm like, here we go. And then he's eliminated. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was yeah, well yeah, done, though, more. especially with Dar, uh, Dar kind of, you know, picking up the pieces and getting it, kind of feeling a little bit conflicted about taking the win, but he does. And then we'll see that'll play into what happens a few minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, so Noam Dar, he eliminates Mastiff. 
but he he's conflicted because they want to get the title off Havoc, and him eliminating Mastiff is a detriment to that. So as Noam is kind of conflicted, he's like, oh my god, what have I done? He gets kicked in the face by Jimmy Havoc and thus eliminated. I believe it was just like a super kick, right, by Jimmy Havoc? Or was there yeah. any other element to it? I think that um, was it. Yeah, now, I did, uh, Noam Dar did have, uh, you know, he his, uh, he has a move called the Champagne Super Knee Bar, which uh, uh, the the Oasis uh, tie-in is mm-hmm. uh, ma- made me giggle. As another a, great that, theme song. That is a it, it's a great theme song with the Oasis theme song, and then having a move called the Champagne Super Knee Bar. Big I, beautiful. I was really Very struggling cool. with whether I liked that or not. I decided I did. I did. That yes. was like teetering on the line of like <laughs> ECW Joey Styles move names. Or I'm like, you're trying a little too hard. But the fact that it was the Oasis reference made it okay. Yes. Yeah. No, it's fun. It's always fun. Um, so now it's two on two somehow. So we got it's pretty much Jimmy Havoc and Paul Robinson versus Marty Skrull and Will Osprey. Which it's and so weird to see Skrull and Osprey kind of yeah. uh, kind of on the same side a little bit. Well, even at this point, I mean, we're very early in their feud that they would have for years, but it's still pretty established at that point. So it's even at, in, in the context of 2015, it was yeah. weird to see. Well, and with but, the um, idea that Osprey can never beat Skrull, even back then, and obviously that played through all the way into uh, their New Japan feud. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but they teamed together a little bit. Uh, Marty Skrull hits a sick a tornado DDT on a Jimmy Havoc, but keeps... The head locked in, rolls right into a chicken wing. Uh, Havoc's able to fight out of it eventually. Uh, Paul Robinson gets back in. Marty Skrull just picks up Paul Robinson, which I believe Paul Robinson was announced at like 130 pounds, which is, sounds crazy if, to if me. But Skrull's it, able to press slam you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That actually, that 130 pounds felt very accurate compared to yeah. some of the more worked weights that we had <laughs> earlier on in the show. I believe that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Skrull military presses Paul Robinson to the outside, lands on Jimmy Havoc. Osprey tries to take advantage by giving a stomp to Skrull, but Skrull evades. And now these two start going at it. It's like, guys, let's just let's team together. Let's get the title of Jimmy Havoc. But everyone just wants is greedy for the title and wants to get eliminations, I guess. Uh, Osprey and Marty Skrull have an exchange, which anybody who's ever seen a match between these two knows that they have amazing chemistry. Uh, the, the reversals, the counters between these guys, always fun to watch. Uh, Skrull locks in a chicken wing on Osprey, but Osprey is able to roll through into a roll-up, gets the one, two, three onto the Skrull. So Marty Skrull is now eliminated. So now it's a two-one-one handicap match, and Regression has the advantage. So it's like, how did how did we get here? So it's three people left. Havoc, Robinson, obviously, they gang up on Osprey. There's one portion where they're beaten down on Osprey. Osprey is on the ground. Paul Robinson drops the sickest loogie I've ever seen in my oh life. Oh, God. Just, that was oh. horrible. Worse than, from spit on Osprey. <laughs> worse than the hanger spot. Worse than the uh, the salt and the wounds. Anything. Oh, no. Gross. Thank you. I would take light tubes. Uh, anything <laughs> over that. <laughs> Um, especially but, uh, i mean even through 2015 eyes 2022 eyes just oh, no, blow me up before you do was, that to me no it was super <laughs> gross this is gross this is a, a timeless grossness <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at no point yes. is this not going to be no. gross uh but at some point will fights back knocks out havoc uh paul robinson prevents him from making the pin so paul robinson knocks will osprey to the outside so now you have havoc on the mat you have will osprey on the outside Paul Robinson's conflicted whether he wants to do a tope and a Will Ospreay 
or pin Jimmy Havoc, which is a fun little moment. Yeah, because and the crowd was great in this too, as far as like oh, yeah. trying to get him to uh, to do what they want him to do. I will admit though, at this point, I was a little distracted by the fact that I had just seen Will Osprey execute the zigzag. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. How could I forget? Just a way better version than Dolph Ziggler <laughs> does, but we don't talk about that. Um, but, but yeah, Paul takes this opportunity to try to pin Jimmy Havoc, his master, uh, or his the crowd. I think the crowd chanted Jimmy's little Jimmy's bitch. Jimmy's little bitch. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that would make Jimmy. But uh, so Paul Robinson pins Jimmy Havoc, but Hav- Havoc kicks out, <laughs> which prompts a "You're in trouble" chant, which was <laughs> yeah. fun. I like Havoc. Uh, yeah, and 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 this is uh, yeah, Havoc with the uh, not thrilled with this just happened face. Uh, very good. <laughs> uh, again, good <laughs> yeah. good camera work here to get that. Absolutely. Uh, but they shake hands, bygones be bygones. But Osprey is able to recover. He drop kicks Paul Robinson into Havoc, knocking Havoc to the outside. And this allows Will Osprey to hit the Essex Destroyer onto Paul Robinson. The Essex uh, Destroyer being a DDT version of a Canadian Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Devastating looking. Uh, and that gives uh, or that eliminates Paul Robinson from the equation. So, so. W- what we've learned from this is that. Canadian destroyers cannot pin anyone unless it's like mid 2000s <laughs> TNA and your PD Williams. But the Essex destroyer is a pinfall worthy move. Well, I think you have to be from what, where the move is called. Yeah, that very yeah, good point. That. Very good. I can point. see that. Yeah. So that's, that's the magic of it. So that, how do we uh, explain all those death Valley driver finishes in wrestling through the years? <laughs> <laughs> that's their second home. That's where they vacation in death Valley. Um, so it's down to Will Ospreay and Jimmy Havoc, which was uh, the main event of the last chapter. This is kind of the ongoing story between the two. And um, so it's down to these two. Paul Robinson on his way out attacks Will Ospreay, gives him a knee in the corner just to further be a, a dickhead as if he needed to do anything else other than what he's already done. Um, so another underlying story here. So Will Ospreay recently, I don't know if he... I don't think he broke his neck, but he definitely injured himself doing the 630. And this was on a uh, they're called Endeavor shows, which are kind of like the minor leagues of progress, kind of the NXT to, to progress. But he was on one of those shows and he did the 630 and he landed high on his neck and injured himself. Yeah. So the premise here is that Will Ospreay, now he's like gun shy to do it. Like now he doesn't want to do it. He's scared he's going to do that again. And it comes into play when uh, Will has Jimmy down on the mat. He's Will goes to the top rope. He's prepping to do the 630, but he can't do it. He can't do it. He's 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 hesitating. So instead, he just does a nice and easy spinning shooting star press onto uh, Havoc. But Havoc gets the knees up because Will hesitated too long. Uh, gets a two count. This was a great near fall. Yeah, this was my favorite spot. Yes. Yeah. The best thing on the entire show from in ring perspective, because you combined uh, the modern high flying craziness with a great, you know, storyline point that clearly everybody in the audience was a hundred percent on board with yep. knew what it was. And they were trying to will their guy, no pun intended, uh, to work through his problems and, and get the win here. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, like you said, the false finish here was great because he hits the, he goes for the shooting star press. Jimmy gets the knees up, rolls up into a, a pin two count. Jimmy then hits the acid rainmaker, which is his finisher and gets a two count. Uh, it's at this point where uh, Havoc, he grabs a mic because Osprey is just down and out. He's been hit with so many moves. Havoc grabs a mic 
and he basically brings Jim Smallman, who's ringside. He brings him over. He uh, Havoc puts Will's teeth around the bottom rope so that Will is biting the bottom rope. Havoc talks into the mic. He's talking to Jim Smallman. He says, this is what's going to happen to everybody that you put in my way. And then Jimmy Havoc proceeds to give Will a curb stomp onto the rope. Brutal looking. Follows it up with the acid rainmaker, a second one. And that gives Jimmy Havoc the win. So is this his like first legitimate win as champion? Um, trying to think. I mean, it's they've all been fairly legit. I mean, because like like the the last this is pretty decisive. Yeah, I was surprised by how decisive this was. And again, I'm popping in and I'm not really sure, you know, kind of where Will Ospreay is in his progression. And obviously, Jimmy Havoc is a much bigger deal here than he would be like on AEW Dark. But it still Mm -hmm. felt a little bit jarring. It's it's because I'm with you when I watch Jimmy Havoc on AEW. This is before I watched any progress. So to me, it's like like you is like kind of like a skinny Raven or a, a, a scrawny Nigel McGuinness. That's not as good at wrestling kind of guy. Like it was that's yeah. kind of my impression of him. But when you watch all these in order, you see his story arc. You really get invested in, in Jimmy Havoc. You really believe in him that he's a champion. Well, you could even tell that watching this show, like as the match went along, you know, you had the video feature before and the match went along like. I could understand how this worked in this context much oh, more yeah. than I did at the beginning of the show where I'm like, what, why is, you know, why is this guy a champion? I also, I loved the, uh, the curb stop with the mouth over the rope spot. And I think mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, I think didn't Britt Baker do steal this spot with Yuka Sakazaki on AEW. I'm almost positive yeah, that think, on yeah. an episode of dynamite a few years ago, that happened. So it's one of those that I'm shocked. You don't see more because it's such a, a brutally vicious thing and it mm-hmm. looks great, but it also is probably fairly safe to execute if you're not actually trying to kill the person. Yeah. But at the same point, I'm kind of glad we don't see it all the time. Cause when it does happen, it looks vicious. Like that's it did here. So, as well. um, but yeah, that's the, ma- there's some hullabaloo after the match, but any, any other thoughts on the match itself? Yeah, no, I mean, that this was, uh, it, you know, this finish moves the story along. Uh, it's uh, it sets up, uh, it, you know, kind of gets uh, it gets most of these guys now out of the way, like you mentioned. And and now this clears the path for Flash Morgan Webster to get yes. his opportunity. Well, exactly. When I my take when I was watching this is, wow, uh, Jimmy Havoc has cleared the deck. Who possibly is going to be able to take the title from him? And then Flash Morgan Webster's music hits and we find out that's what's coming next. Yeah. So the match concludes. And like you said, Flash Morgan Webster comes out. And uh, as we mentioned, he's the natural progression uh, series winner, which essentially it's kind of like a money in the bank. You you win a title shot whenever you want. And uh, Flash comes out. And he's like, you know, I could go ahead and challenge you right now, but that would make me like you, which, you know, adds a sense of. Because logically, you're like, why wouldn't he just challenge him right now? But he has yeah. those morals behind it, so it all makes sense. Well, it also showed how much the crowd is with him because you could feel the crowd wanting to boo him for right, not taking right. the title shot now, but they loved him so much that they stopped themselves from doing that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and Flash, because he knows um, he has uh, that Jimmy Havoc, he has Paul Robinson behind him. He has Isaac Zercher, who was the other henchman guy from the beginning. Um, he knows that Havoc has these guys. So Flash has to have himself an insurance policy. And who 
is this insurance policy? Well, it's the London riots that return here. Now, you guys might not. This probably didn't mean anything to you if you're coming into this cold. But basically, and I kind of alluded to it before, but um, when Jimmy Havoc initially turned heel, he turned heel by aligning with the London riots. They attacked Jim Smallman. They attacked uh, a couple other guys that were ringside. Um, a vicious heel turn. So that was regression. It was Havoc, the London riots, and uh, Paul Robinson. So a few chapters ago, there was an eight on, or a four on four tag team match. And whoever lost the match, whoever got the pinfall, or I guess whoever took the fall, uh, had to leave progress forever. And one of the London riots ended up losing that. And the way it happened, Jimmy Havoc basically threw them under the bus. Essentially, that's what the finish was. So they are not happy with Jimmy Havoc. Um, and the whole story here is that Jim Smallman has agreed to bring the London riots back because he knows that they have a vendetta against Havoc and Robinson and they're going to do whatever they can to destroy Jimmy Havoc. And, uh, I believe even they cut a promo later, the London riots do that. They're not here about, they're not here for titles. They're here to make sure that Jimmy Havoc dies. So that's a little extreme, but it's kind of par for the course for what we've seen so far. Um, so the London riots return, they attack Robinson and Havoc. And uh, send the crowd home happy, I suppose. So, is that yeah. adding any context to what you saw? Yeah, yeah it definitely. Makes, it makes a I lot had, more sense. I, yeah. I was not familiar with either of those guys or kind of what the significance was, but you could tell from the crowd reaction it was clearly significant to them. Yeah, because they were such hardcore heels before, and now they're like so beloved. So it was kind of just like equal in the opposite direction. So. Um, and the next chapter, the headline match is the London riots versus Havoc and Robinson. So that sets that up and that brings the show to a close. So, uh, yeah, folks, progress wrestling chapter 18, uh, and any other overall thoughts on the show that we, we didn't touch on. No, I mean the, the, you know, there was the, the guys who, who were the stars of this show were, were, uh, they, they delivered. This was, it was great to see them. Um, I never have to see bubblegum again. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, otherwise, uh, th- this is a, this is a fun ending. I, you know, it, it, it's one of those, you know, watching the crowd get back into it at the end, uh, and get invested in this. When you looked around and you saw how many people had on some sort of Jimmy Havoc gear, like, yeah, like they, these people are invested in this storyline. So they've been watching it over the chapters, like you mentioned, and, and that, there's a lot of people that cared uh and 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 for a lot of this show there was you know there there was a lot of entertaining themselves but uh in the, the main event it was what they were here for and and it delivered mm-hmm. yeah and i i think that's a, a key point too like we talked about earlier that i would imagine and, and kyle you would know this better than either uh, me or jeremy would but I would imagine this probably felt a little bit different from your normal big, uh, big progress show because we had all those stars in the main event. And so the yes. stuff you had prior, there wasn't necessarily outside of, you know, the, uh, uh, the street fight, there wasn't necessarily a lot of uh, strong emotional investment. So maybe some of the things that we talked about with the, uh, uh, the British crowds, those came to the forefront a little bit more in those matches where mm-hmm. uh, when we got in the main event and, and yeah, people were, Everybody there had had strong emotions, strong feelings on Jimmy Havoc. It was either they were in his corner or they wanted him to die, as their shirt said. Uh, and that yeah. led to, you know, great reactions throughout. And yeah, I mean, it was a it's a fun show. I mean, like Jeremy said, the guys that I expected to deliver delivered. I wouldn't say that there was anybody that I came into into it really not knowing a ton about that. I was completely blown away by. Um, I would say the closest to that was probably uh, Rampage Brown. 
I was really impressed sure. by. But outside of that, it was the guys that were stars showed themselves to be stars, and the guys that weren't were mostly okay, but weren't really you know much to write home about. Yeah, nothing was really offensively bad. Uh, in my opinion, it's definitely one of the weaker shows just because, like you said, it was so top heavy with the main event. But the, the no DQ match, the uh, the tag match with Tommy and this, this show definitely. Has some... Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> match? I don't Not the know. tag. Okay. Uh, yeah. That would be the only about. truly, I would say, close to offensively <laughs> yeah. bad thing yeah. on it. That but no, uh... no. Yeah. No, you're right. Sorry to interrupt you. Keep on. <laughs> no, no. That's pretty much the point I was making. But uh, yeah, progress. I mean, they're they're pr- especially in this era. Because from what I've heard, they kind of get to a point where, you know, they lose their storyline elements to their shows, which I guess I'll get there eventually. But the early days of progress are consistently great watches. So I don't know if these guys are included in your uh, your randomizer or not. But. No. So, yeah, this usually our shows have to be at least 10 years. So this is the most modern thing we've Ooh, ever reviewed. Okay. Uh, so this is a, a I believe it starts in 2012. I think chapter one is in 2012. So I think we're you're almost there. I think there you're almost. Go. Almost to the day, I think. So yeah, we'll be able to throw those in the uh, in in the randomizer as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, we talked about it, the randomizer wrestling at random. Where can that? First of all, thank you guys for uh, making the time to watch the show. Come on to talk about it. Uh, where can everybody find wrestling at random? Follow you guys and listen to you guys. Sure. Uh, the best way to uh, uh, to interact with us is via our Twitter at wrestle at random. Uh, you can also do that at Instagram as well. Um, and we uh, have a podcast that comes out every single Sunday. You can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found. We're, we're at every single place. Uh, WrestlingAtRandom.com is the website that has the links to everything in the back catalog and all of the uh, links to our social media as well. It is an evergreen podcast. So you, if you're hearing this now and you want to hear us review some shows, you can look through the entire back catalog and uh, it's, it's as new as, as the week it came out. So you can go drop in, listen to it because it's literally at random. We, we fire up the randomizer. It tells us what to watch. We watch it. We review it every single week. So go out and uh, take a look at everything in the back catalog this week. Uh, uh, the, that uh, we're recording this. We released our episode reviewing WWF Primetime Wrestling from 1990, uh, one of uh, uh, just a super fun show. So um, you can start at the, the most recent, work your way back. You can go pick and choose uh, along the way. It's all there for you, wrestlingatrandom.com. And you can also, we should mention, we don't talk about it often. It's kind of a, a thing that makes us laugh quite a bit. You can also find the show on YouTube, oh, YouTube. where we have the quite, audio. <laughs> we have quite the uh, quite the active listener base there, even though we never mention it. We don't tell people interact with the show on YouTube, and yet mm. people do. So yeah, we you love can it check out. We love it. We we see you YouTubers out there. We love. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible majority. at that too. Yeah, I always forget. Yeah, like, sub, ring the bell, <laughs> touch my ass. Like, what? Do, I don't know what you do on YouTube, you know? But <laughs> but yeah, once again, thank you guys. Yeah, everybody check out Wrestling at Random. And yeah, once again, thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for having us. It was a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Once again, thank you to Jeremy and Adam from the Wrestling at Random podcast. Awesome time with those guys. Check out their podcast wherever you listen to podcasts as well as YouTube. Follow them on Twitter at Wrestle at Random and uh, all their info in the description. Check them out. Good blokes. And uh, check me out, why don't you? At 
apronbump.com. You can find all my full episodes there. You can go to the episodes tab and kind of tailor whatever you like listening to. Uh, if you want to listen to more progress or like TNA, Ring of Honor, uh, you know, New Generation, Attitude Era, whatever tickles your pickle. Go to the episodes tab at apronpump.com and it'll bring you to all of those episodes. And, um, you know, Twitter, uh, Apron Bump on Twitter, Apron underscore Bump on Instagram, probably. I don't actually know. Um, <laughs> all of that in the description as well. Oh, what a time. It's funny. This is like one of the least, <laughs> this is one of the least significant progress chapters that I've watched, but we is the longest. As I, as I let this motorcycle drive by. Vroom, 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 vroom. Look how loud old my motorcycle is. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Dildo. But anyways, speaking of dildos, I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, I, I've said it before. Sometimes I just fuck around in the outro to just to see how many people listen to it. Because I, I don't listen to a lot of outros in my podcast. I, I get halfway through it. I'm like, ah, oh, enough of these assholes. Um, I'm just kidding. Well, for the most part. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. If, if I could give all of you forehead kisses, I would. Um, you know, I don't always like have pants on when I do these. So like when I don't, I like feel it, you know? <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm hard. Let's get it started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Should you walk the ground, 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 should you wal